Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, folks, let's cut to the chase here. Uh, the Eagles are looking every bit like a team just limping to the finish. And the only reason they're going to survive is because they play inferior teams coming down the stretch. The Philadelphia Eagles lose to the Dallas Cowboys tonight. 33-13. to 13. How bad was it? Well, I, I can go through a laundry list of things that were bad in this game. First of all, the Eagles gave up nine of the last ten drives that they have faced, uh, considering last week as well, with touchdowns. Dallas scored on four straight possession with three touchdowns and a field goal in this game. The Eagles lost three fumbles by their playmakers, the quarterback and their two wide receivers, who are responsible for really igniting the offense. Um, they, and they, they gave up the ball in Cowboys territory each time. Uh, they didn't score a TD. The offense did not score a touchdown. Um, they've been outscored now 75-32 to 32 in their last three games. And uh, I, I don't know what to say. Now, the, the only thing that is going to make this look good is that the Eagles can beat the rest of the teams in the division and still get a favorable seed. But right now, this looks like a team that is really struggling. Welcome to the Pond La Hockey Eagles postgame show. I am Mike Missanelli uh, with the crew, Mark Farzetta, Bill Colorado, and, of course, Seth Joyner, the All-Pro. Fellas, um, you know, we can look at this big picture-wise and say, boy, they're not very good. Or you can look at it like they played two pretty good teams and they weren't up to par and their defense looks gassed right now for the rest of the season. So I don't know how it's going to work out for the rest of the season. So I, I guess the big question is, is the seeding even in peril for this team at this point? I mean, I think it goes without question. It absolutely is. I mean, everybody wants to I'm talking get... about, forget number one. The number one seed, I think, is out of the oh, question. okay. I'm, th- I'm talking about their, their place in the playoffs. No, at this point, I just want them to make the playoffs. And they're obviously, I think they're going to do that, but... I still want them to go after that number one seed. Obviously, it looks like a very difficult thing right now, next to impossible with the way everybody else seems to be playing. And this was supposed to be the game where you reestablished yourself as maybe not the best team because you have to concede that right now to the 49ers, but at least the team that was still going to be in the driver's seat alone to be able to secure that top seed in the NFC. And they failed that test miserably. They're supposed to pass the test last week about being able to beat the 49ers. They came up small. They went up against a division rival, not just an NFC rival, but an NFC East rival, their biggest NFC East rival, and they choked it away again today. Another Back-to-back, not only bad, but embarrassing performances. And one of the guys that I'm most disappointed in, Mike, is A.J. Brown. Because A.J. Brown, more so than any other Eagle in the locker room this week, talked more and more about how everybody else was trying to take what was on their plate. And today they allowed them, they allowed the Dallas Cowboys to come in and take their pork chop right off their plate. And they look like the team to beat right now in the NFC East. I'm not even concerned about seeding at this point. I'm really concerned about this team. And we've been saying it for a couple of weeks now. Is this defense a championship defense? 
And we can blame the coaches all we want. We could talk about the play calling on offense because it was bad. But when you look at the personnel on this defense, it is not good enough. This isn't one game. It's not even two games. you got to go look at the last six games with this defense, and they have been historically bad. And I, that falls on Howie Roseman, not the coaches. Howie Roseman built this roster. We give him all the credit when this team does well. Well, he has to take the blame for ignoring the linebacker position, putting way too much hope in aging corners, and they are even weak and light at the edge rushing position. They lack a lot of young talent on that defense. Jalen Carter's good. The D tackles are good. Outside of that, they lack a lot of talent on defense, and that's my main concern. I'm not worried about seeding. I'm worried about this team and especially this defense. Seth, I want to let you let loose. Oh, I'm not going deep tonight. I'm just not. <laughs> you know, the truth is it's a bad football team. They're, they, they fooled us. They fooled us through, you know, 11 games into believing that they are really good and they're just not. You know, and, and that's that sits at the crux of it all. Um, today was the clincher for me because understanding what's at stake and how you played last week, there's no way that you can show up, you know, and put that out what they just did there. It go and it goes. It really does go beyond, you know, just the players. You know, when I see the way that our cornerbacks play, and I see the way that our linebackers play, it's evident to me that there's coaching issues there because those players aren't fundamentally sound at either position. You know, when you watch James Bradbury flailing, you know, or Darius Slay running stride for stride with a guy and then he feels the need to put his hands on the guy and get and gets a P.I. when you're step for step with him. Like, if I'm with a guy and I know I got him step for step, there's no need for me to grab him because I'm step for step with him. I know where he is. I can feel him with my body without me having to put my hands on him and getting a P.I. See, but when you're out of position or you feel like you're beat, that's why guys get penalties. It's the same exact thing. When a guy's being pass rushed, when an offensive lineman is being pass rushed and he knows he's beat, his instinct is to grab the guy because he knows he's beat. And why does he get beat? Nine times out of ten because he's technically and fundamentally flawed. When I look at this defense – they're technically and fundamentally flawed at every position across the board, okay? And you're not fixing that in week 14 or week 15. There's no remedy for that. You work on those things in the offseason. You know, couple that with the fact that, you know, you primarily play a soft-style defense, which is bend but don't break, and you got Dak Prescott, this five-step, three-step dropping, and by the time his back foot hits the ground, that ball's out of his hands. So it's almost impossible to get any pressure, and then you can't stop the run. I mean, you flat out cannot stop the run. I don't give a damn if you're in a four-man line, a five-man line, which they had success with early in the year. They cannot stop the run. And when they can't stop the run, that puts added pressure on the back of the defense, on the offensive side of the ball. I've never seen a bunch of guys, you know, play the game so lacklusterish. Like A.J. Brown looked like he was – disinterested all night you know and I, I just don't it, it's there's enough blame to go around everywhere you know and after losing to two of the best teams not only in your conference but in the whole national football league this football team is in trouble they're in trouble because in the NFC right now in my opinion 
the only team that they may have a snowball's chance in hell of beating if they get into the playoffs is the Detroit Lions. That, that, that's the only team, the way that things are structured, that they may face, that's, that's the only team that they have a shot at beating, okay? And I'm almost to the point now where we look at the end of the schedule and we say, well, you know, we got these for sure wins. They might not beat the damn Giants. They, 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 might not beat the, they might not beat the Cardinals down the stretch. Listen, you laugh. Mike, uh, Mike, you're, you're no, laughing. They're that bad. The way you're saying it, I, I don't think that they will lose to the Giants. No, you in don't Arizona. think so. You uh, don't. I, I think the Seattle game all of a sudden becomes a little tougher than we originally thought. But but here's the thing: if if we look at it realistically, they played the two teams that are the, their contenders uh, in the NFC, right? San Francisco and Dallas. They came up short against them. No, Mike, but, Mike, but, Mike. No, 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 no. We're not going to sit here and minimize it because we're I'm been, not minimizing it. No, no. You haven't let Wait me a minute. Finish my point. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> we're not going to minimize it because we've been doing that with this football team all year long. Okay. Because in Philadelphia, what the media and the fans don't want to do is they don't want to look at the deficiencies of the football team when the football team is doing well. So as long as they were undefeated, oh, you know, at least we're winning. The, the main thing is the main thing. We're winning, right? But no one wanted to talk about it. No one wanted to address the shortcomings of this football team when they were still winning games and when they got lucky and won games in overtime and got lucky and won games that they probably should have lost, okay? So now that things are coming full circle, we're not going to minimize, you know, the fact that they got their asses blown out the last two games, okay? It's not a matter of them not being able to handle they got disgraced. They, they did. Two games here's, in a row. Here's what my point is. The scope of their deficiencies are measured against the two teams that we now know are better than them. But the 49ers it's, it's, and the Cowboys are better than them. It's not You're just right. those two games, though. It's, well, it's but, but irreparable. It. But you got to look at what the project on where they could be at the end of the year. Doesn't the matter. Eagles, it does matter. No, it because doesn't. they're going to be in a playoff situation. You said. The only team that they could possibly handle is Detroit. They're going to play Detroit in the playoffs. So it's all going to come down to whether we say they stink or not, it's all going to come down to them playing in the NFC title game at the 49ers. You really, what, what else could possibly happen? In your heart of hearts, you believe that? Do you think if this football team keeps playing the way this played the last two weeks, who are they going to beat playing like that, Mike? The rest of their schedule. They're not beating the rest of their schedule playing the way that they're playing. Turning the ball over the way that they turned it over. Being as inept and inefficient on the on the offensive side they're of the not, ball. Listen, not being they're, able they're, to stop the run and not being right able now. to stop the pass and not being able to get off the off the field in third down. Who the hell are they beating down the stretch playing the way that they're they playing right now? They are not a Super nobody. Bowl contender. They That's beat, they beat nobody. They are not a Super Bowl contender. But they're, the Giants and the Arizona Cardinals, I mean, stop it. We, we know where it's going to – I know we're all angry about them losing today, but inevitably they're going to win those games for the rest of their schedule. Wait, did, Arizona, beat Arizona, Arizona beat Dallas. Arizona beat Dallas. Arizona beat the Dallas Cowboys. Arizona's not going to beat the Eagles. Arizona no. put up over 200 <laughs> yards rushing against the Dallas Cowboys. The what Giants, do you think they're going to do to the Eagles' defense? Who did the, the Giants – The Eagles are going to lose some games Didn't the, the Giants the just beat somebody that they weren't supposed to beat recently? Giants beat uh, – yeah – Tommy Cutlets beat somebody. Who was it? <laughs> Tommy Cutlets. No, Tommy but, but, Cutlets but Mike, beat the Eagles. Mike, look, you could look at it through the lens of, hey, they played the 49ers and they played the Cowboys. Look at their last six games. They're averaging over 30 
points against on defense. They're giving up an average of over 400 yards. It. Bill, it's not just I'm the Niners and the Cowboys. A, there is a weakness of the conference here. There are the only echelon teams are the 49ers, Cowboys, Eagles, and then Detroit's in the second tier. Hey, Mike. So what are we talking about? Hey, here's Mike. what bothers me the most. You know, what's, you know what's in here? You know what's in here? Whatever it is, it ain't strong. I've been drinking it all damn year. I've been drinking. Kool-Aid? You know what it says? Kool-Aid. I ain't drinking it no damn <laughs> okay? I'm done with it. I'm not drinking it anymore. Yeah. I'm not because you know what? My eyes, my eyes know what knows what football looks like and how football should be played. Okay? My, I, my eyes know that. I've been around this game too damn long. So you can't tell me that the way that they're playing is rep- is, is is repairable right now. It's not. But you're not looking through the eyes of the Giants or the Arizona Cardinals or the Seahawks. That's what I'm saying. Those teams believe that they can beat the Eagles right now. All right. Maybe they can. Yeah, but the problem is, is, look, like you said, we're not Super Bowl contenders. We didn't come into this season saying, hey, if we make the playoffs, that's a successful season. And I'm always positive, Mike. I'm, like, too positive about this Philadelphia Eagles team. Coming in tonight, I said, we are going to learn a lot about this team. They were embarrassed last week, and they got embarrassed again well, on learn? national television. You learned they're not as good as the 49ers or the Cowboys. This is what you learned. <laughs> are, are, a, are they as good as the, the, the Lions? Uh, 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 it wasn't just I that they, said they could beat the Lions. But it wasn't just that they lost. Look at how they lost. They lost the turnover battle. Bill, they can't I, get I, off the field Bill, on third I, down. I get it. It's Im- they're, Bill, they're not as good as the 49ers or the Cowboys. We, we, can, we can come to a conclusion on that, right? Well, and now when you look back, Hindsight being 2020, they almost lost to the Commanders. They lost to the Jets. Who they almost lost to? They're not. Look look at what they are now. The realistic part of this is they're not as good as the Niners or Cowboys. That has been decided, with emphasis, right? But but now let's look at what the rest of the season. It's not like they're they're going to fall off the map and not make the playoffs. That I agree with. Okay, (laughs) they will make the playoffs. However, you also don't want to see a team. You also don't want to see the team limp into the playoffs. And Seth, I disagree. I don't think we have drank any ounce, and you especially. I don't think you've drank one ounce of Kool-Aid. You have called it as you've seen it all season long. And even though they have found the ways to win games, and they did that through 10 games this season and notch those victory, oh, victories, maybe one or two they actually controlled from start to finish, and a lot of that was thanks to the run game, by the way, you look at the rest of this season, and they were just finding ways to win, especially in the second half of games. They could scurry, they could scramble in the first half, and then just be able to pick up the pieces in the second half thanks to a big defensive play, big offensive play, and something that made up for a lot more mistakes that were covered over by the comeback in the second half. Now when you face those better teams, like the 49ers, and God forbid I admit this, the Dallas Cowboys, especially after tonight, you do not belong on the same field as those teams. Barzi. Going into the playoffs Barzi. this year. Barzi, they, 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 they had me. They had me. They had you fooled. They, 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 they had you me. had me fooled then. You want, you want to know why? Because as they were winning these games and finding ways to win it, you know, we hung on to, oh, they're such a resilient team. They just find a way to win. How great is that, that, you know, that they can not do this and not do that and be deficient over here, yet they find a way to win the game, okay? And anybody, anybody in the media – or any fans on social media that wanted to point towards the areas that they were deficient in, they got lambasted. Oh, you know, how can you talk bad? I mean, they're 10-1, they're, they're and one, they're 9-1, they're 8-0. You know, how can you, it, when they're just winning games, okay? And my football no, mind knows better, okay? But I allowed myself to drink the Kool-Aid, like I said. 
I allow myself to drink the Kool-Aid of, resi of resiliency and a, and a team that just figures out a way to win, understanding and knowing full well that when you play against the better teams in the, in the league, the nonsense that they were getting away with early in the season, that they were not going to get away with it against better defensive coordinators and better players and better overall football teams. It just was not going to happen, okay? So now my eyes are wide open. They're wide open, okay, because I can see the deficiencies in this team. On the defensive side of the ball, they can't stop the run. They can't stop the pass. Players don't play with a sense of urgency. Even in a game like this, I'd see no urgency. Nobody wanted to come up and set the tone but a young rookie, Sidney Browns, the only one that wanted to come up and put some, lay some wood on somebody. On the offensive side of the ball, they look listless. You know, the times where they couldn't run the ball, they ran the ball. The times where they just looked like they had no shot. You know, guys are being pushed around and knocked down without any fight back. It's, it, I, there's, this, this is a game of you know, manhood. It's my manhood against yours, okay? And I'd be damned if I'm going to let you walk all over me without a fight. Did you see fight? I saw no fight. I saw no, no creativity on the defensive side of the ball. I saw no creativity on the offensive side of the ball. It's almost like Dallas's defense knew everything that we were doing and they were right there. And the times where we did get, get fooled, they came with so much intensity and urgency for the football, they just knocked it out of our hands, you know? The, the uh, defense is getting their ass beat. I mean, let, let, let's face it. Uh, they gave up 400 yards today to the Dallas Cowboys. And it, you're right, Seth. They couldn't stop the run. They couldn't stop the pass. Dallas how many weeks in a row balance. is that, Bill? How many, how many yards? What is that, 400 yards the last six weeks in a row? They're averaging. I don't know if every team's put up over 400, but they are averaging over 400 yards against in the last six Defense games. Defense And over 30 they're points. and they're inferior. And, and we can see that, and we feared that. Uh, the only – Seth, they – Here's the thing. They were resilient because they were winning those games. It maybe didn't speak to their overall strength against the Cowboys or 49ers, but they were winning games that way. Only question that we had to answer as we come to this part of the season is, were they as good as those other two teams? Forget about Detroit. 49ers, Dallas. We found that they weren't. But when we project the playoffs now, if you think that they can lose their way out of the number two seed, do you, you believe that, Farsi? They can I, lose their way out of the number two seed. I believe you keep turning the football over at the rate they're turning the football over. You're going to be losing to Tommy Cutlets in New York. Oh, oh, but, okay. So it could absolutely I, happen. I don't, I don't believe that it will. Okay. So in that case, if they don't, they get the second seed. The first game will be against a team like the Packers. The second game will be against the Lions. The Cowboys have to, a, a harder way to go. They have to play the 49ers in the second round. So forget about the Cowboys. So what it comes down to is that the Eagles still very clearly could go to an NFC title game, but they're not going to win it because it's in San Francisco. <laughs> they Listen, and, that's and, certainly and the, the story. Let's yeah. close the show. Good night, everybody. No, <laughs> I mean, the no, that's, that's, very, no that's, that's very true. That could absolutely be the way that it plays out. The one thing that I'll fall back on is that the, I don't believe the Eagles will keep turning the football over at the rate they're turning the football over. I don't think you're going to continue to see Jalen Hurts turn the football over and fumble the football. I don't think you're going to see as many play calls for Jalen Hurts to run quarterback draws like it's supposed to be the staple and the only go-to thing on this offense, the amount of times they go to it in this game in particular. But then you see a guy like A.J. Brown fumble the football and Devontae Smith not be able to protect the football. You see Devontae Smith not be able to lay out, not lay out for a football in the end zone with an opportunity to try to change the tide of that game. A.J. Brown, the same type yeah. of thing twice in the first half. 
if there was supposed to be some sense of urgency going into this game, it was non-existent. So if you're looking at the playoff scenario and any idea of a sense of urgency about where their seeding could be or potentially proving I, to everybody else I, they listen, could be better than what we think they are right now, I, I have few no, and far between. I have no delusions about this team now. This is the one thing that this game proved to me. I don't have any delusions that they're somehow some kind of a Super Bowl contender because I don't believe they are when you p compare them to the two teams in this conference that are clearly better than them. But it's not like they're not going to be in the playoffs, and it's not like they're not going to win a first-round game in the playoffs unless you think they can lose to Seattle and somebody else coming down the stretch of the season, Bill. At this point, and I'm not just trying to be negative. I try to find the positive. The way they are playing, they could lose to anyone, Mike. They okay. cannot. What they were doing well in the beginning of the season, even when the offense wasn't firing on all cylinders, even when the defense was struggling against the pass, we could at least fall back on the fact that they could stop the run. For some reason, this team can no longer stop the run. The last four games, they've given up over 130 yards on the ground in each game. Like, if you can't stop the run and you can't stop the pass, you're not going to be able to beat anybody in this league, man. That's the reason they were able to win the games they were able to win early. They could at least shut down the run, and they could still find ways to win. Now, they can, can't do can, anything right. Can they right. lose more games the rest of the season than the Cowboys? Because the see, Cowboys have a tough schedule. I guess where we're, where we're debating here is where our, where our bar is set for this team. I know every Eagles fan in this city, our bar was not making the playoffs well, you, and winning one round. you got to adjust your bar. But the bar is set to you, go to the you, Super Bowl. Forget the bar now. It, the bar has to be examined by your intelligence. You just saw them come up small against the 49ers in Dallas. How could you delude yourself into thinking that they're better than those well, two teams? But I would say this. We're talking about Arizona and New York. There is a very strong possibility this team could go into Seattle, where we know it is tough to play, okay. where the Philadelphia Eagles have struggled in the past in Seattle, uh -huh. and not win on Monday night. Okay. A back-to-back -back road game. Again, you're getting a team, well, has a little bit more rest. Seattle played at 4 o'clock, if we want to get technical. <laughs> a little bit more rest. But, look, they're coming off of a tough loss. Who knows if Geno Smith plays? We were talking about this before we came on. Are they favorites in that game? I don't know. They, they, they would have to. So you think they're capable of losing three in a row here? Not going to lose three in a row, but we're also assuming. Well, they're losing three in a row. They lose why not? Bad. You're assuming Dallas. Next week. You're assuming <laughs> Dallas is going to lose that many games. Yeah, Dallas has a tough schedule. But what we saw tonight and what we've seen so far this season, hate to say it, Dallas is a good football Dallas team. Dallas going to lose one more game the rest of the year. It's possible. Okay. Are the Eagles going to lose one more game the rest of the year? Definitely okay. possible. Eagles still get the division. Yes. Uh, and the yes, seed. But you know, we, come, we come back to this. Like, we're sounding the alarms. Here's where they're going to land. And then they still have to go to the playoffs and play either the Cowboys or the 49ers to get to a Super Bowl, which is where our bar is set. I don't care if they win one game in the playoffs. We want to go to the Super Bowl again. Well, I hate to disappoint you. They're not beating the 49ers. <laughs> no, they're not. All right. That's so, why we're angry so, up here, Mike. Okay. The, the answer is already out there. They're not going to San Francisco to win that game. But, Look, so lower the bar. The bar then has to be lowered. But I think the reason why I'm so upset, and I think Seth is as well, this team has now been in two straight games. Not only, not only did they lose the game, I would have been okay if they lost tonight. We knew they were in a tough spot against a tough team. It's how they played. Both games, they came out 
with zero emotion, with zero cre creativity on offense, zero emotion from a tackling perspective on defense. You saw it again tonight. It's just the way they are playing that has me so I frustrated. I totally agree. And Seth, when they come out that way, does the coaching staff have to take the heat for that? Is that a coaching staff problem, or is it purely personnel-wise? Nick Sirianni says, you know, hey, this team, what happens on offense, defense, and special teams is a reflection of me. So what you see, he as the head coach has to – he has to assume that, you know, because when they when – they, if, if a team is playing well, then, yes, the coach can take credit for being able to motivate the team and get them ready – for getting them ready to play. When you're making great adjustments like we saw early on in the season, the coach can take credit for that. But when you're not adjusting and the team comes out and plays lackluster with no energy, you know, that falls on the head coach. That's the head coach's job, you know, to make sure that the coordinators are making adjustments and doing what they have to do, that the position coaches are coaching the players, that the players are doing what they're supposed to do. I just think that, you know, when you look at the secondary, I just, you know, there's a deficiency in how they play the game. That deficiency comes from, you know, technique and fundamentals. Um, when I look at the linebackers, it's the same thing. You know, for weeks we've been looking at the linebackers and trying to figure out do they know where they fit. They still don't know where they fit when the run, if the run is coming to you, you got to fit. If the run's away from you, you got to fit. That goes for both players. Get there. Get there with aggression and get there quick so that you can take care of your gap and everybody along the line can take care of their gap. So when you're getting gashed like that, that tells me that you're either not getting there or you don't know where you're supposed to be, okay? Then when you look at the pass rush, you, you got guys that realize the urgency of getting there because they're not a high blitz team. So they know that the coaching staff is relying on them to get there. So then you got Josh Sweats going down inside and letting – letting Dak Prescott outside. You got, you know, Hassan Reddick taking an inside rush without communicating with the tackle to loop around, and all of a sudden you got Brock Purdy on the outside making plays on the outside. Now, instead of guys just doing their job, they're trying to do everything because they realize how, how important it is for them to be able to get pressure on the quarterback because those guys in the back are struggling to cover because they're technically flawed. Now, I'm not saying that in the minds of you know, the defensive line, they think that way. But as a player, I've been there before. It's like, man, those guys back there couldn't cover if you gave them a blanket and threw it over them. So we better hurry up and get there. Same thing up front, you know. When your safeties and your cornerbacks are leading the team in tackles, that's not a good sign because, right. the, because the linebackers should be the guys that lead the team in tackles. All right, let's take a breath because I want to talk more about this defensive thing. Uh, but right now uh, – if you're looking to hire in the IT and engineering field, manufacturing or technology, all you got to do is contact our buddy Gary Kane and his team at Kane Partners and Staffing Solutions. Here's how you can connect. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions, find the right people. I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. All righty. It is the uh, Pond Hockey Eagles post game show. I'm Mike Missanelli with the crew. 
right here with Bill Calarulo and Mark Farzetta and Seth Joyner. And Derek Gunn will join us in our next segment. So let's talk about this defense and a defense that really looks like they're flailing. Uh, and it looks like it's a bunch of parts that are just kind of taped in there. They're all disjointed parts. You had the wedge Roby in there. You had the wedge Byard in there. You've had the wedge linebackers in there. Uh, you played Keely Ringo today, and he made t- two penalties on one play. Uh, they don't look like they have any substance. Who's at fault? What has happened to this defense, guys? I think a lot of it just goes down to coaching. And it's the same style that we have seen even last year with Jonathan Gannon. They were able to get home and get sacks, obviously, last year, which caused a lot of havoc in the backfield. But this year, it's a lot of the same thing. You're seeing a lot of off-the-ball stuff. You're seeing a lot of off-the-line of scrimmage. You're seeing a lot of guys give that cushion defensively. And the lack of tackling from Nicholas Morrow. I saw LaShawn McCoy tweet out during the game today, how is 41 even still in the NFL? How is he in the NFL at all? And when you see a lack of tackling like that, even if you do get to the right spot to make a play, they blow that opportunity to make a play. And one of the times they actually dialed up a blitz on a third and five that the Cowboys had, they sent two blitzing linebackers, and it was Dak Prescott with the rush in his face, stood up and delivered the ball right over Sidney Brown's hand to Ferguson, the tight end, and it was picture perfect. He was able to carry it another 20 yards for the first down, or for extra yards after the first down. And it's just that type of tackling, that type of lack of execution that you continue to see over this last two-week period with this Eagles team. And there has been times that we've seen it before the last two weeks. It's just that it's been the most exposed and gone to the most often over these last two weeks. You see, I, I disagree that that's coaching. I think at this point in these guys' career, you're in the NFL. You know how to tackle. That's will. That's effort. You look at the offensive side of the ball, I'm putting a lot of that on the coaching. The game plan, the play calling. On defense, yes, could Siri could Desai do a better job? Could Sirianni make him run a little bit different of a style of defense? I still think it's the personnel. I still think that Howie Roseman ignored the linebacker position. We all said it in the offseason that we were concerned about the linebacker position, and now you're seeing it right in front of you. Safeties, also not good enough. Look what Marcus Epps did today. Not that they played great. Knocked jo- Justin Jefferson out of the game. This was a guy who played, what, 97% of the snaps last year? T.J. Edwards, 94% of the snaps last year? And I don't want to hear, oh, it's because they had to pay Jalen Hurts. Marcus Epps and T.J. Edwards are not making a lot of money. You let those guys walk, and you tried to replace them with Nicholas Morrow picking up Zach Cunningham off the street. They're just Did not Jack good enough. Leonard played for like 15 seconds in this game. The person they signed off the street this week. The personnel on defense, in my opinion, is not good enough to win a championship for this city. <clears throat> Seth, personnel, coaching. I think it's a combination of both. I think players, players will always be limited by the knowledge level of the coaches that coach them. I became a better player because I had good coaches. And when I had bad coaches, I had to lean upon the things that I learned from the good coaches way, way back. You understand what I'm saying? There was a point in time where the only thing that my position coach could do is hand me a game plan on Wednesday morning and leave me the hell alone the rest of the week. Because those little drills that he would put me through before practice every day, I could run those drills on my own. You know, coaching goes so far beyond just the X's and the O's. You know, if, I'm, if I got the running back out of the backfield man-to-man, it's one thing for you to tell me I got him. 
it's another thing for you to be able to coach me on how best to cover him and what the technique is that I should use. But when you throw a guy out there and say cover him man to man without giving him a, a, a toolbox, you know, to work from, then what's the point? So when I look at how flawed these players are, I don't see backpedaling. I don't see guys, you know, um, being in phase with wide receivers and then, you know, getting in position where you can put your back on them. Now you can turn and play the ball and see the ball. I see guys that are just straight up panicking because they feel like they're, they're beat. And when you feel like you're beat, you're going to commit these, these, these silly fouls. You know, where if you were technically sound, you would have the confidence to cover the guy and not have to be grabbing on him or pulling on him. You know, so it's a combination of both. Because, you know, Bill, you can talk about at this level where guys should be. That's true. But when you get into the season, the problem is you don't work on technique and fundamentals anymore because everything is about scheme and game plan. Scheme and game plan. You know, and, and what the numbers say that you should do. You know, so when they got to the bye week, I always say that's the perfect time, you know, to go back and freshen up, refresh yourself on, you know, the technique and fundamentals that may have went wayward since training camp. You know, and I used to take a, a, a day of the week where I would spend an extra 30 minutes after practice by myself and just work on the little small details, you know, once a week so that I could keep my fundamentals and my technique fresh. You know, you're not going to tell me that these guys – you know, have great technique when I say these when I see these DBs line up and press coverage and then open the gate and let the guy run by. If I'm gonna get up in your face, I'm gonna put my damn hands on you. If not, then get your ass back so the guy can't just run by you. But if you're gonna get up a yard off of him and then open the gate and let him run by and he runs a damn four three and you run a damn four five, what the hell you think's gonna happen? All right, listen. Let's, let's track on what happened in this game, first of all, because I'm looking at the Eagles' most creative play in this game today, and it happened to be a fake punt. And it, and it got them close. It got them three points on that drive, right? So the Cowboys get, get the kickoff, and they go right down the field. Three for three on third down in that drive. They score immediately in the red zone. They're up 7 nothing. And this is where the Eagles start driving. They actually started the game with a couple of runs. And it looked like their offense had a little balance to it. And then Hertz gives it away on a design run, which I thought they did too much of today, running him on design runs. I don't like to see it. They did it too much today. He fumbles. It was his fifth lost fumble of the year, his 15th turnover of the year. Dallas answers with a touchdown. The Eagles do get the fake punt to get him to 10-3. to And then they give up another touchdown. And then the Eagles fail to get a touchdown after Parsons gets a big sack where he beats Lane Johnson. And so it's only 17-6. to They only get a field goal out of that. And right before the half, the killer blow. Dak beats Bradbury. They get it to the one on a, on a, a, a pass to Brandon Cooks and then Gallup on a one-yard pass to the TD. And it's 24-6 to at halftime. And people are going, really? This is what this game was going to be for us, 24-6? to so we'll pick it up there, and we have Derek Gunn's going to join us in our next segment. We haven't seen D. Gunn in a long time. The Eagles lose to the Dallas Cowboys today, 33-13. to They have now given up uh, 75 points in their last two games against the supreme teams in this conference, which to me is a measuring stick, and I think we can't kid ourselves anymore to think 
that they, they are as good as the 49ers and the Cowboys. It is the Palm of Hockey Eagles postgame show. We are live from Ocean Casino. A lot to go in this uh, postgame show, so hang in there with us. Derek Gunn up next right here. We'll be back after this. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. with a one-size-fits-all gift card. Buy a $25 Hooters gift card and receive a $5 Santa's bonus card. Make it Hooters for the holidays. Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things. Christmas is near. Gift cards are here. Good at Hooters everywhere now. Hooters gifts are always favored. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. All right, it is the Pond Hockey Eagles postgame show. We're live from Ocean Casino. Just checked uh, the Vegas Insider website the eagles maybe they can lose the seahawks next week they they are only a two-point favorite in seattle next week so <laughs> that, that that's a game that could go either way i guess but for the time being we'll sit on that one and bring in the man that we have uh, haven't talked to in a while and we're glad to touch base with him tonight he is of course the great Derek gunn joining us on the pond hockey eagles post game show d gunn i know you were looking at this game and just like if you were here We'd be talking, we'd be complaining and bitching and moaning about this game, and we'd be beside ourselves on what we just witnessed against the Cowboys. Give us what you saw. 
Uh, Mike, I've been trying to come up with the appropriate word to describe what the Eagles put on the field tonight, and the one word I keep coming back to is uninterested. They played uninterested football tonight, and it goes back to that game against San Francisco. Their first two drives, they go down the field against the Niners. They come away with threes instead of sevens. And after that, they played uninterested football the rest of the way there. They played uninterested football for four quarters tonight for the most part. They scored no offensive touchdowns. I didn't think there was a defense in the National Football League that could keep this team from scoring a touchdown. Even in a losing effort, they've scored two offensive touchdowns in the last two games. Um, I've been going back and forth with a couple of players in the locker room, and I'm, I'm like, what the heck is going on? First response I got back was, we are very predictable. I said, predictable? I said, explain. Look at our pass routes compared to the Cowboys' pass routes. Our pass routes take too long to develop. Dallas gets their bleep out real quick. And I think if you sit back and look at the game, look at how quick Dak Prescott gets the ball out of his hands compared to the way Jalen getting the ball out of his hands. I did not believe that Dallas's offensive line, a good offensive line, could manhandle the Eagles' interior. They ran the ball right after their tackles. I was, I was extremely shocked by that. But they have played uninterested, uninspired football the last two games. Now, granted, you can go back and say, this team played three grueling games in a span of 14 days. Three grueling games. Nobody's going to take that as an excuse. But I just think what I'm being told is, number one, they've become predictable. Number two, this defense is nowhere near what we thought it was. It's been smoke and mirrors. And we've touched on it time and time again throughout the season. And I think it's finally reared its ugly head against teams that are their equal and better. And number three, I think this has sent a message to everybody else on their schedule. You know what? We can beat this team. We can beat, And I heard you guys talking about the Eagles winning X amount of games the rest of the way. And I'm going to tell you one team that's going to give this team a problem. You can laugh if you want. Arizona's going to give this team problems when they play them. I'm telling you right now. I'm not saying Arizona's going to win the game. Arizona is going to give this team problems when they play them. Gunner, great to talk to you again. I wish it was a better subject. Uh, when it comes yep. to this Eagles team, though, when you talk about the, the, the taking a long time for those routes to develop and everything, I mean, it sounds like you're yep. talking about coaching. sounds like you're talking about play calling. So when we're looking to place blame on Sirianni, Brian Johnson, who are Jalen Hurts, the receivers, who deserves yep. most of the blame for this problem? Mark, I asked that exact question to a couple of people um, down there in Dallas with the team. And in unison, they all said, everybody, meaning coaches, meaning players, everybody is a part of this fiasco right now. And, I mean, and we're talking about it being a fiasco, and I understand why. I mean, but this team is 10-3. and three. They're not playing like a 10-3 and three team, but the bottom line is they're 10-3, and three, and they're still the favorites right now to win the division based on who they play the rest of the way and who Dallas plays the rest of the way. The thing that's scary is I don't think San Francisco is going to lose another game the way they're playing, which means everything is going to go through San Francisco because the Niners right now are the most complete team in the National Football League. So I go back to what you asked me. The answer I've been getting, and I've gotten – four or five different answers, the same answers. It's everybody. 
What's up, D Gun Man? It is good to What's see up, you. Man? You're the only thing that could probably cheer me up a little bit, seeing your face. But <laughs> got to talk about the negative, unfortunately. This defense. Yeah. One yeah. of the things that we loved about this defense early in the season, nobody could run on them. First nine games, right. 65 right. yards against was the average. Last four games, every yep. team's put up over 130 yards. What is yep. going on with that run defense, D-Gun? I think teams offensively are scheming them a little bit differently. Um, you know, as you know, Bill, this game is week to week. You know, coordinators make changes, whether it's zone blocking, straight, straight man up blocking, whatever the case may be. The opposition is making better adjustments than the Eagles coaches are, okay? I think we see that. Even though they won up until the last two games they were winning, the opposition is making better adjustments than the Eagles coaching personnel, those who move the chess pieces. And it's finally catching up to them now. You know, So now they have to decide what do we need to do differently. Well, first of all, it starts with tackling better. And I love the banter back and forth all week between Seth and Darius Slate. I'm not calling the big play Slate. It's Darius Slate. First of all, why are you as a player worried about what somebody in the media is saying on social media? You know, shut up or put up is the bottom line. It's the name of the game. Shut up or put up. You know, don't be jaw jacking with somebody. You got you got embarrassed. You want to shut people up? Go out there and prove them the next week. Did they did this defense prove tonight they were any better than what they put on the field last week against San Francisco? No. Plain and simple. So you're worried about what people are saying about you in the media instead of working on your techniques, working on your schemes, wrapping up better, tackling better, blowing people up better. You didn't do that tonight. You let Dallas set the tone right from the start, and you never took the momentum from them. D-Gun, the same thing that happened last week happened again tonight. Um, yes. And this goes way beyond just the fact that there was no fight there, but they were outcoached, they were outplayed, yep. They were out yep. physical. They were out willed, you know. And when I look at the defense, in particular, the defense is flawed. You know, listen, we've been talking about it. I've been talking about it for weeks. You know, the reason why Jalen Hurts is always holding the ball in the pocket because the majority of their routes are like ten plus yards down Absolutely. down the field. It takes time Absolutely. to get down the field, and our and yes. our wide receivers don't fight to get off the line of scrimmage. We just run our routes. We don't stem at the top of the route. We just run our routes. So DBs yes. basically run the routes for us, you know. Yes. So if this is the case in week 14, in my opinion, you tell me your opinion, this is not repairable. You can't fix this now at this point in time in the season and think that you're going to march into the playoffs or march into the last four weeks, the four, last four games of the season and think that, you know, things are going to go well. It's just not. And everyone keeps, you know, I mean, we've been, you know, Mike and I have been going back and forth. It doesn't right. matter. It doesn't matter where they end up at the end of the year and where they wind up positioned. Because right. if they get into the playoffs, they're not going far playing like this. They can't go far as flawed as they are. So what's the remedy? Seth, I hate to say it, but this defense is what it is across the board. I don't think you can repair it at this point. I said it on this very show over two months ago. Even that, This was when they were winning. I said it the last time I was on this show. I think this defense is what it is. You can add all the personnel you want to. And I said it on social media. I said Roby and Bayard are not going to fix, especially the problems in the past defense, and that has been the case. You know, we gave Howie Roseman all this credit for bringing in who he brought in last season. And it worked to a certain point, but then it tailed off down the stretch. This year, 
it's not going to work. And now you bring in, you know, Leonard from, from the Colts. He's not going to fix the defense. You know, I don't care what his relationship is with Nick Sirianni. Sirianni didn't coach him on defense when he was in Indianapolis. It's not going to be, it's not going to fix itself here. This scheme, this personnel is what it is. And every week, an opponent exposes something wrong on this Eagles defense. Guess what? The next opponent will attempt to capitalize it. Now, you can say what you want to say about that Seattle team. I've been in that stadium too many times. It is one of the loudest places in all of professional football. This team has had an abundance of problems historically in that stadium. And I do believe that Seattle deliberately kept Geno Smith out of this game today to give him an extra week with that groin injury to get him ready for what's to come against the Eagles next week. I do not like the Eagles matchup defensively against the likes of DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and Njigba. I don't. We saw what has happened to this defense against San Francisco and Dallas's personnel. Dallas's pass catching personnel is nowhere near what San Francisco's is, but it's good. That Seattle pass catching personnel, that is if DK Metcalf can stay on the football field and stay in the game long enough, is a lethal trio of receivers. D, I'm seeing a a pattern here, and I want I I'd like for you to help me understand it. Okay. So, Jim Schwartz won a Super Bowl as the defensive yep. coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles, and in Super Bowl Fifty Two, he gave up 505 yards passing to Tom Brady, and didn't yep. want to talk about it. Okay. A number of years later, he's now the head coach, well, the defensive coordinator for the Cleveland Browns. And they're one of the most feared defenses in the National Football League right now across the board. They pressure, they do it all, okay? Jonathan Gannon was the defensive coordinator for this football team last year. And although, you know, they weren't a high-pressure team, they set the franchise record for sacks. Yep. I look at Jonathan Gannon now, he's the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, and it's not necessarily that, you know, they're setting the world on fire. But he is bringing pressure and and, and yes. playing a different style of defense than we've ever we not we never saw that here in Philadelphia, okay. So Sean Desai takes over as the defense coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles. We want to make our opponents feel us, you know. We we're going we're going to be aggressive, but yet we look like the Jim Schwartz defense when he was here, and we look like the Jonathan Gannon defense when he was here. And both of those coaches are elsewhere, and none of their defenses look like it looked when it was here. So the question right. has to be, is this the defense is being called because this is how the organization wants it to be run and the analytics say to run it? Or is this the defense that Sean Desai is actually calling because this is under the Vic Fangio umbrella, so to speak? Because I don't see Vic Fangio playing this damn passive down in Miami either. If you, if you compare last year's defense to this year's defense, Seth, I think it goes without saying. Look at the personnel they had last year compared to this year. Look at the depth they had last year to this year. You look at the people they lost, and we knew it was going to go through some growing pains this year, but we thought with two highly touted first-round picks and enough of the veteran presence held over to come back this year, we thought it would coagulate a lot sooner than it did. And it looked pretty good. As you guys were talking about early on, it was number one against the run in the National Football League. We were talking about Jalen Carter as the defensive rookie of the year. I think his game is tailed off. Nolan Smith has been in the witness protection program 
for much of the season. I don't think he's made five plays all season, to be quite honest with you. Um, the back end has been a mix and match of, of kids, veterans that are a year older, and all of a sudden uh, help they're trying to bring in to patch up the leak in the dam. And it, it's not working this year. You know, football goes, Seth, I don't have to tell you this. Football goes game to game, season to season. What was shall not be every time you step on the football field. And, and I think this team that had the potential to be a really good defense has more flaws in it than we really realize. Because, as Seth, I heard you say, we were so enamored with the fact that this team, and you heard me say it on the show the last time I was on this show, I consider this team like the Freddy Kruegers, the Jason of the NFL. Just when you thought they'd bury him, they rise from the ashes and find a way to get back at you. And, and now that is not the case. Those same little breaks they were getting for much of the season that helped them get to this 10-win plateau are now those breaks that are going against them. It's the laws of averages in the National Football League. Digon, are you ready to pronounce this season dead? <laughs> no. No. You're not? No. Okay. No. I, I'm talking about in the context of whether they can get to the big game. Their chances are better to get to the big game if it runs through Philadelphia. If they have to go to San Francisco, I don't like their chances. We already saw that. That was not a fluke. What San Francisco did to them was not a fluke. San Francisco is the most complete team. I don't care about the three losses. Every team has its peaks and valleys. They were down in the valley. San Francisco is the most complete team in the National Football League. And to go through San Francisco, nobody's winning going through San Francisco. They sent a message already to the likes of Dallas and the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, Look at how many that's points where it's going to go. That's where it's, it's going to go. Gonna go. I'm, we're pretty much convinced it's got to go through San Francisco. Yeah. So I guess yes. what we're saying is we don't keep hope alive. You know what, though? The only thing I can tell you is, Mike, we, we analyze games, we break it down, we break down matchups, and we think we have it all figured out. I'm just not just saying us, but all the pundits across – across the United States, everybody who watches football closely, analyzes football closely, and every now and then, you get surprised. You, know, you look at the history of the playoffs. Every now and then, you, a team wins that you don't expect to win. All right. No, 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 no. Fool me. Fool me once. <laughs> yep. Fool me once. Fool me once. Shame Step. on me. Fool me twice. Shame on you, D Gun. Okay, because I, I I spent. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, I, I get it. I get it. I I spent the 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 lion's share of this season defending this football team on a national That's level because people were just boohooing about what everybody else was doing. You know, yes. as to as, that was the reason why the Eagles were were winning so much more so than the Eagles doing what they were doing to actually win. Okay, yes. I'm done drinking yes. the Kool Aid. You, you fooled me long enough, okay? The truth is out. It's, it, it is what it is. Until you can prove to me that you can put together a complete game on the defensive right. and the offensive side of the ball, right. this team this team ain't going to the Super Bowl winning no Super Bowl, man. I, I didn't say that. Seth, I, well, I'm just saying. You, you, Seth, you've heard me say all season long, Seth, that have you not – do you not remember me saying I'm not completely sold on this team? Yes. And we've had those debates up in the green room and, you know, I haven't changed one bit, and now it's starting to show itself. I'm not saying that this team can't go deep into the playoffs. I'm not saying they're going to the Super Bowl. I'm just saying if you look at the history of the playoffs, I mean, think about it. You know, 
you, all these games, the, the miracle in the Midlands, you know, the, the game in Tennessee. Um, how about the game where uh, uh, New Orleans uh, wins the division with a losing record? Um, uh, I'm sorry, Seattle wins the division with a losing record, takes on Seattle, and Marshawn Lynch has one of the greatest runs in the history of pro football. Upset. I mean, this thing's happened historically in football. I'm not saying this is one of those years, though. I get it. But what normally happens in those situations, D-Gun, is that those teams have struggled throughout the season and they yep. start to peak at the right time. I get yep. the sense that this team has already peaked. I think the young players on the defensive side are gassed. The older players are disenchanted to a certain extent, and they're technically and fundamentally flawed. And on the offensive side, I don't think they really believe in the game plan. Now, you know, you saying what you said about, you know, we're yeah. so predictable. Now that sheds yeah. light. That get, that helps me understand right. Right. why A.J. Right. looks so damn look, look so damn uninterested in the game today. Because, they, if, listen, if they don't believe in the game plan, how the hell are they going to go out and execute it and be excited about it if they don't believe right. – that what's in the game plan gives them an opportunity to be successful. You know, when the DB is running the route for you, come on, man. When the linebackers are standing in the hole waiting for the, the running back before the running yeah. back can even get there, yeah. I mean, how, what good does that do, you know, your, your, the confidence level of your running back to run the ball, you know, with a lot of intensity? You know, what does it do, what does it do to Jalen Hurst to drop back and realize that, you know, he's got to mm-hmm. go to his third read every single time? Or try to check the ball down. Come on, man. I mean, they—they're not—they're not peaking. They're not peaking. They're descending down the peak at this point. Seth, I believe to a certain degree there's a fatigue factor involved here. You heard me say a little while ago they played three grueling games in a span of 14 days. They played—they played, they played a, a, a Buffalo team gave up over 500 yards. Uh, they played a tough game against Kansas City. Then they got the breaks and the game plan beat off of them by 49ers team. And then they have to play this game with first place on the line and bragging rights and all that stuff. I think to a certain degree, fatigue is a factor. As, as several players have told me, we have become too predictable. And I do think when things start unraveling, it does mess with your focus. It does mess with your energy level. It does mess with your ability to go out there and give a full 60 minutes, especially when things start going bad. Now you say, well, you know, these guys are multimillionaires. How can that be? It's true. You play once a week, you're supposed to be jacked up and get ready to play. But the human element does come into play in the game sometimes. Well, Gunnar, how about you. this, though? You're looking at the position from the Eagles and where they're coming from right now. They're not beating anybody. I mean, we know that the defense has been yeah. terrible. The offense has barely gotten into the end zone, and they are giving the football away at an near-record yes. yes. pace. So let's yep. look at all these things that they have to climb over in order to get into the playoffs, yeah. secure a, a top spot, not the top spot, yes. but a top spot. How confident are you they can actually correct any of these mistakes over D-Gun, the next four D- weeks? Degon, before you answer in the infamous yeah. words of Jason, yeah. Jason Kelsey, don't nobody right. care, man. Don't nobody care. I don't know. Don't nobody care. Don't nobody care how damn tired they are. Nobody care. <laughs> ball, ball, ball security is easily correctable. I, I thought the most shocking turnover of the game. First of all, you turn the ball over three times in enemy territory and come away with nothing. You're asking for a recipe for a disaster. I thought the worst of the three was the last one where you saw Devontae Smith cradle the football. He can feel the pressure coming and still gets the ball slapped out of his hands. That's the kind of night it was. In terms of fixing the scheme, I don't think you can do much in terms of fixing the scheme. Um, I thought 
that this team was so embarrassed by his tackling lack of prowess a week ago that they would be tackling any and everything that moved in that AT&T Stadium tonight. That was not the case. Um, few things can be fixed, Mark. I don't think many things can. The only thing that's going to get this team to 12 or 13 wins is the fact that they have two games against the Giants, one against Arizona coming up, as well as that Seattle game. Um, I don't think any games are give me. I mean, let, let, let's look at today. Did you think Chicago would find a way to beat Detroit? No. Did you think the Vikings would win a game three to nothing? No. Uh, I had I, I had I had Detroit as my. I mean, I I had the Bears as my play of the week. <laughs> He got it. Come it's on, like, man. Come on, Mike. I, I, I did. I got to tell, I gotta on, tell you, you know, you know, I spring these on you every now and then. Deep, first of all, it's great to see you again. Thanks so much for yep, coming on the show. Course, we man. really appreciate yep. it. Good to see you. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll continue to ride this wave here on what's going to happen at the end. I still think they're going to end up in an NFC title game. Now, maybe <laughs> I'm crazy. They're not going to win that game, but I think they're going to end up there. Uh, we'll talk to you, buddy. Yeah. Take care. Yeah, I thought you guys were trying to keep me off the show, man. I had to bogart my way on the show, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you're welcome anytime. Thank you. Uh, Derek Gunn, uh, of course, See you, joining us today. And uh, he is uh, brought to us by First Trust Bank, the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. I did have the Bears, Seth. I can prove it. Oh, I believe you. And I believe the only reason you think that the Eagles are going to make it to the to the Super Bowl. Yeah, well, I'm going to lay this all out for you a little later. It's because you got some money on it's it. If you don't have no money on it, you wouldn't be First talking all, that way. You owe me you 50 already truth. for next week. Huh? You do owe, you already owe me 50. We bet, we bet that the Eagles would not – you said the Eagles would not be a favorite next week. They are a favorite. I still believe that by the time the week is over, by the time we get to Sunday, it'll be a it'll be a, it'll, no, it'll, no, opening line I, as a witness. Opening, opening line. line. We did say opening <laughs> opening line. line. And it comes to fifty dollar bill. These are the terms. Fifty dollar bill. Here it is. You know, <laughs> all right. It's the Palm Hockey Eagles post game show. Oh, don't go to break yet. I oh, want everybody to see me give you this fifty dollar <laughs> bill. Pass that, you listen to Grant down this way. Wow. Pass Mr. Grant down this way. That's a crisp one too, man. Look at that. Oh, thank you. Spin it all in one play. <laughs> I'm gonna bet this on the Eagles next week. You're having uh, a better day than the Eagles. Before I leave, I'll put it on the Eagles. You better off giving it to me. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's the Palahog Eagles post game show. Kayla Santiago will join us with Kayla's diamond debate after this. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey, the largest workers' compensation law firm in Pennsylvania. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. Even better, Pondley Hockey doesn't charge a dime until you win. If you've been injured at work, give Pondley Hockey a call.
My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Go for the beers, go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene, go for the screens. Go for the gallery, go for the win. Go to Ocean. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. All right, back on the uh, Pondla Hockey Eagles postgame show live from Ocean Casino. Uh, the Eagles got waxed again. 33-13 to the Dallas Cowboys. Got outplayed in every way you can get outplayed. And now the question is, what is the result of this particular season that had so much promise? But uh, it's time now for the Diamond Debate. Joining us on the set, Kayla Santiago, with some uh, wonderful news from the world of Mark's Jewelers. Right, Kayla? Yeah, absolutely. Mark's Jewelers, if you want to get your special someone a holiday gift, make sure you go there right now. They have some fantastic deals. They're starting to sell out, so make sure you go there as soon as you can. They got fantastic bracelets, earrings, jewelry, and I promise you it is much better than the Eagles played tonight. So definitely want to go out there and shine bright as well during this holiday season. So, it's a lot of stuff you guys touched on already for our Diamond Debate. Make sure you go to the Twitter poll and vote. Right now, the question out there is, where do you think the Eagles will finish? The number one seed we can all have a chuckle at because I think that's out of the question at this point, at least for me. NFC East champs or the wild card. Mike, I'm going to start with you for this. You had more of the positive take for the Philadelphia Eagles coming out of these two losses and figuring they can try to win out here. Where do you think they end you, up? You know, it's not as much a positive take as it is uh, – just to, uh, to me, it's a conclusion. Uh, I, I don't see where the Eagles could fall down to a lower seed, which means, you know, they won't get the number one seed, but they, they'll play in the first round against an inferior team as the as the number two seed because the Cowboys have to. The Cowboys have a real some tough games, so they're going to lose a couple. They, I don't think the Cowboys can beat the Eagles for the NFC uh, uh, East mm -hmm. Championship. They, they play at the Bills, at the Dolphins, the Lions, and then finally at the Commanders. So they're going to lose one game. Even if the Eagles lose next week, 
the Cowboys lose one more game, the Eagles are still in a position where they're going to win the division, which most likely gives them the second seed. It's a matter of then calculating how they'll make out as the second seed because the second game they will most likely play then is against the Lions. Now, that'll be home. Can they beat the Lions at home? I think they can. So the only thing it comes down to is I know they can't beat the 49ers in San Francisco to get to the Super Bowl, and that's what's disappointing for me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, too, to look at the Eagles right now and the Cowboys, the Cowboys, Mark, are getting hot at the right time. Yes, they do have a tougher schedule. But if the Eagles play like they did today, and we've talked about it on this panel saying, well, they're not going to play like this next week. Well, we said that last week with the 49ers, and they played, I think, even worse tonight. What is your input on where they'll end up? Oh, I, It's weird to be confident in anything that the Eagles are doing right now and be positive about anything. But to Mike's point, it's not about being positive or even optimistic. It's just kind of calling it as you see it. And I see them winning the NFC. I think they're going to be the NFC uh, East champions, excuse me, the NFC East, win the NFC East. But the good thing that, that you could draw out of this is that the Cowboys have three games on the road. Excuse me, yeah, the three games on the road are the only, uh, the Dallas Cowboys are the only team of the 49ers, the Eagles, and the Cowboys that have three on the road finish up the season. Both the 49ers and the Eagles have two games at home. Eagles obviously go to Seattle, then they host the Giants, host the Cardinals, and then they also go to New York to, to play the Giants. That does give me confidence that they're going to be able to bounce back and at least solidify winning more games than the Cowboys from this point on. Mike also mentioned Buffalo and Miami, two tough games. Detroit is no uh, cakewalk for them either. And Washington, divisional game on the road, not going to be a cakewalk either. But I believe that they're going to be able to go out there and be have a better record at the end of the season by the Dallas Cowboys. See, the only thing that happen here, if da- Dallas could win out. I mean, right. I don't know if they will. I don't think they will. If yeah. they, they could win out. If they, if they win out and the Eagles lose next week, then obviously you've got to reshift it. Mm-hmm. But the worst the Eagles could be then is the three seed. So they're still in an advantageous position in their first-round game. And in the second round, then depending on how that works out, that could be uh, the Niners. But most likely, it won't be the Niners. It'll be the Lions again. So that's why they're going to – I think they'll get to the NFC title game. They just won't win it. Real quick, the 49ers are at Arizona. Then they host Baltimore. Then at Washington. And then they host the Rams. Going to the defensive side of the ball, Seth, we saw it with the last four minutes of the game. Dallas still trying to drive up the field. They have all the fire under them at home. And then you see Bradbury and Darius Slay out of the game in the last four minutes. And I get it, maybe preventing injury, whatever it may be. But for those guys, the veteran guys right now, they're not playing up to par. Defensively, I know you said it's blaming personnel and coaching, but they need to figure it out some way, somehow. And I think it starts with those guys as leaders. And right now, they're just not doing that. Well, and listen, when you get beat, you know, 42 to 19 and, you know, your cornerback, your star cornerback comes out and says, I thought I played a pretty good game and led the team with five tackles. Therein lies, you know, the problems and the issues, you know, with, the, with your football team and the mentality of how they think. If one of your leaders thinks that way, what do you th- how do you think the young guys, you know, are thinking? Um, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, I feel like they're just a flawed team, you know. Um, I feel like, you know, we've kind of been lulled to sleep with how they played. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm really mad at myself because I knew better all along. But I didn't want to take, you know, the public smoke of a team that was undefeated and then 8-1 and one and 9-1 and one and 10-1. and one. I didn't want to take the public smoke because that's what everybody, that's all everybody wanted to say. Well, you know, what are you complaining about? You know, 
they're, they're eight and they're eight and oh, they're they're nine and one, they're ten and one, and now all oh, that they're, they're ten and two, they're ten and three. Well, the truth of the matter is, you know, they've shown us all season long. You know, one of my mottos is, it's as it's, it is as important how you win as if you win, because it's a telltale sign of what's to come. You know, your future performances always give us a preview of what your past performances, I should say, always gives us a, a, a future preview of what your game is going to look like. And they haven't, you know, even though they've won and they've stacked some wins, they haven't been in dominating f- fashion. You know, they've eked out some wins. You know, even in some games where they should have won, other teams made mistakes, you know, that, that had a game fall into their lap. But as we get to the most critical time of the season, all of those flaws and all of those things that we saw that were wrong with this team early on that we ignored, you know, that we were pressured to ignore just because they were winning, they're, they're, they're coming to fruition right now in a massive way. And for us to think that, you know, those are going to get fixed or they could be rectified, I just feel like we're 100% wrong. And I think we're fooling ourselves, you know, to believe that this team is going to run the table of the last four games of the season and go into the, the playoffs at this point in time, you know, and do anything special. It's just not going to happen. And I think mentality is also on the offensive side of the ball. And I, I point out Jalen Hurts because I think consistently we said, well, they have a really good quarterback. They have a quarterback with a dog mentality. He's got 10 interceptions and five fumbles this season. And the offense doesn't look great. Is this Brian Johnson, Nick Sirianni? Do they take the blame? Absolutely. But also Jalen Hurts, it's no more being on the sideline locked in. He's not going over to these players and hyping them up, getting them ready to go, being that leader that he quote-unquote is and I get he might be more of a silent leader but Seth a quarterback in the locker room I think needs to be a little bit more in a better mindset out there on the sideline when his team is down because he's going to be the reason they come back and right now if he's sitting on the sideline alone there's nothing they can do well listen there 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 is some truth to that you know but he led that way and took a team to within three points of winning the Super Bowl last year Mm -hmm. he led that way and got the team to where it is right now so I don't think that, you know, that they really expect for him to lead in that fashion. I think he is one of those guys that leads more by, by um, you know, by example. And the vocal side of him, we as the media and the people on the outside looking in, we don't really get to see. I think he is a lot more vocal than we get, than we understand. But I also believe that, you know, he's the type of guy on game day that's not a rah-rah, overhyped guy. Now, I, I think that he's got to make better decisions and he's got to take care of the football. Ten interceptions and five lost fumbles, that's unacceptable. But when I look at this offense, this offense looks like a shell of what it looked like last year. And I don't know whether that's because we got a new offensive coordinator. I'm not sure whether that's because, you know, We've completely gotten away from the RPO and the read option game where all we're doing is running him on quarterback sweeps and quarterback draws and quarterback traps rather than, you know, using the RPO game, you know, where we've got a a triple threat. So I'm not sure exactly what it is. I'm I'm not understanding and I'm not getting why this offense that's really one player different than it was all all last year, the only difference on on this team. Is Isaac Sayamalo out, gone to Pittsburgh? 
Cam Jurgens in at offensive guard. That's the only difference. All the other pieces are the same. And people will go to the stats and be like, oh, the stats are similar to last year. They're a point off here. They're, a point they're not as efficient and they're not as effective as they were last year. So the numbers don't mean anything unless you're playing to a certain level. Uh, I, I got to tell you, Seth, you're right. And, and to me, they're not scheming him properly. He's holding on to the ball way too long. Um, they can scheme that better to get the ball out of his hands quicker. No, they can call plays that gets him to get the ball out of his hands quicker. You're right about the RPOs. Why don't they mix in some RPOs? I get it that they want to protect them, but that was where he, he, he put defenses on their heels. And, and instead, they're, they're allowing him to stay back and hold on to the ball and look for here. And when he makes a play, it's, it's kind of like a, an innovation from him where he's scrambling around, he finds a guy. Uh, now, today, he did hit uh, A.J. Brown a, a lot. But the, the quick throws, they don't use anymore. And I don't understand it. Well, listen, they, they don't use them because those kinds of throws came off the read option and the RPO. And that's a, a, a non-existing part of their offense now. I mean, what was the, the last? I'm talking about the slants and the tight I understand, end. but I'm going to tell yeah. you why. How many times did you see? How many times this year have you seen Jalen Hurts take a ball, ride um, um, DeAndre Swift while he's looking at the end? The end stays there. He get he hands it to him. The end crashes. He pulls it. He takes. He's around the edge. If they got a secondary guy, he's looking for A.J. Brown on the slam. How many times have you seen Jalen Hurts take the, take the, the snap, ride Swift while he's looking at the middle linebacker when the middle linebacker steps up? he slings the ball and hits A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith on a slant. When was the last time you saw that? That's what I'm saying. you got, you got to be able to scheme him back into a groove. And, the, and, and the, the biggest problem is, in my opinion, and I've been saying this, I've been saying this, and D-Gun brought it up tonight. I've been saying, everyone's asking, why is he standing in the pocket patting the ball? Why is he holding the ball so long? Because it is the design of these routes. That, get him, that gets him in trouble because they, these are routes that are 10 yards or deeper, okay? Understand, this organization and this head coach, they want to throw the ball and they want explosive plays down the field, okay? And they want to minimize explosive plays on the defensive side of the ball. Let's put the defense aside. If they want explosive plays, that means plays that are 12 yards or, or, or more. So when... All of your wide receivers and your tight ends are running routes that are 10 to 15 yards down the field. And if there's any kind of jam on them, it throws, it throws the complete timing off. So while he's standing there waiting for these routes to develop, you know, the pass rush is coming. And instead of him just checking the ball down to the running back or a tight end in the, in the, in the flat, he's trying to hit these plays down the field. So why don't you change your route schemes to always give him an early out as he goes through his progression. First guy's not there, oh, I got a guy that I can dump the ball off to. First guy isn't there, oh, I got a crosser that's coming in my vision. I can dump it off to him, okay? If you want to play zone and we want to go um, um, 10 personnel, that's four wides and one, wide and, and one running back, okay, why aren't we all overloading the zone? You can go three by one with Swift in the backfield, motion him out to this side, delay him now, and run everybody off, and when he when he releases in the flat, guess what? He's going to get the ball. He's going to catch the ball out there. 
five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten yards on every single down. Now you force the defense to adjust to that. But what do they do? They keep running with their running, okay, banging their heads against the wall, waiting for Jalen to, 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 to do something special. And you know what defenses are doing now? I, now I understand why, why, um, why Nick Bosa said last week, we've created the blueprint, okay? You want to collapse the pocket, keep him in the pocket so he can't get out, and make him play from the pocket because these routes take too long to develop, and he's not one, two, three, getting the ball out, one, two, three, four, five, getting the ball out. He's waiting for these routes to get 10, 15, 20 yards down the field, and it's just not working. And instead of them changing, they keep doing the same thing, expecting a different result, and we all know what that means. And D. Gunn said earlier that he heard from the players in the locker room that they're very predictable. If the players are saying this, Mark, I'll go to you now. Do you feel like the coaches will take that into account and say at some point they got to change because it's back-to-back weeks that you haven't made any type of adjustments? We talked about it on the halftime show. Maybe it is truly just the personnel, but if the players are starting to say this to the media and to everybody else, do they go to the coaches and say, we're not going to win ball games if they don't figure it out on the offensive side of the ball. One of the major reasons the Eagles won the Super Bowl six seasons ago now is because the, the Eagles players took it upon themselves to go up to the coaching staff and Doug Peterson and said, we need to balance this out. And they won that argument so well that Howie Roseman actually went out there and he traded for Jay Ajayi before the deadline that season. That worked in the Eagles' favor. Having a players meeting, a leadership committee meeting with the coaching staff can obviously help that cause. But what's absolutely mind-numbing today is the fact that I can't remember the last time, if ever, an Eagles quarterback only completed a pass to three different receivers in the game. The Alameda Zacchaeus throw, obviously, that was the fake punt to Alameda Zacchaeus. But other than that, it was Dallas Goddard, it was A.J. Brown, and obviously it was uh, Devontae Smith. There was no dump off to the, uh, somebody coming out of the backfield. There was no, nothing creative. There's no screen play to a running back out of the backfield. Not even Kenny Gainwell. Not even a Boston Scott who has shown in the past that he can execute that play rather well. But a quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles only completed a pass to three different receivers. If that is not the perfect example of what Derek Gunn was talking about and how predictable this scheme has become, I don't know what is. And if you've got to tra- change uh, the, the, the route option, if you've got to actually, I don't know, dream up a hot route maybe, then that needs to be done immediately, especially after you do have a guy like Nick Bosa waving a flag for the rest of the league saying, hey, help us out, get the number one seed. Cowboys, let us help you get, uh, get us the number one seed by beating the Eagles. And if they're not going to make an adjustment after that, then yes, forget about any delusions of grandeur. This team can bounce back, clean up all the other mistakes at the same time, oh, and redesign their offense. While they're redesigning their defense, yeah, then uh, everything's up the Mark, window. you know what I'm astonished at? I'm, ast- I'm astonished that they would take the RPO and the read option out of their offense, but yet run the type of plays that they run with Jalen Hurts keeping the ball. Now, I get it. You know, when they go empty, anytime that they can get four on five, you can count on it. They're going to, you know, Jason, Jason Kelsey is going to lead him up in the hole, and he's going to run the ball. They had sex- success with it twice tonight. But, you know, it's not lost on me either that, hey, the Eagles just gave Jalen Hurts $255 million, okay? And then he scared the hell out of him by getting hurt against Miami. They are not going to risk that investment by having him out there running the ball all over the place. And I give you another guy, the same situation. How much are you seeing Lamar Jackson running the football now after they paid him? They even got the, 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 the coach who designed that offense – you know, Greg Roman 
out of the building and said, we're going to put him in a more traditional offense so that we can protect our quarterback. You know, listen, there, there's a lot at work here. You know, so while we sit here and try to come up with reasons for why this, t- this offense isn't operating the way that it did, there's a whole lot of changes that have taken place on this offense, and a lot of it has to do with there's no way in the world that you can have a guy that's making $2 million a week you know, or more <laughs> sitting on the sideline collecting the check. We're going to figure out how to keep him healthy. We're going to figure out how to keep him well. Hey, listen, you get out of the pocket, and guys are coming. You slide. Take the sack. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You knew what this guy was when you brought when you drafted him, and you knew what he was when you signed him. Now, I'm all in favor of develop, developing him as a, as a pocket passer, but you can't take away that piece that makes him the most dangerous because then that minimizes his ability to play from the pocket and be what you truly want him to be. All right, time for a break. Uh, on the other side, we will talk to the man who covers the Eagles for Jacob Media, John McMullen, the Eagles got waxed 33-13. And I don't know what to say about the rest of the season, but we'll figure it out before the show's over. It's the Pondla <laughs> Hockey Eagles postgame show live from Ocean Casino back after this. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Score and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi, I'm Jim Muehlbronner, Managing Partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds! Ha, 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 ha. 
Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. It is the Pond of Hockey Eagles postgame show live from Ocean Casino. You're watching us on 6abc.com and the Jacob Sports YouTube channel. Right now for some analysis, the man who covers the Eagles for Jacob Media, of course, the great John McMullen. John, let me let me ask you, uh, I don't know, this is a, kind of a, uh, a general uh, fancy question. Uh, was this game a window into the soul of their Super Bowl aspirations? Oh, that's deep, Mike. Um, very, it's very deep. Window into their soul of Super Bowl aspirations. I, I like it. <laughs> um, it's certainly... Um, it's certainly a competence uh, uh, issue. You know, this one, this one will hit you pretty hard, especially coming back to back with San Francisco. This league has a way of piling on uh, just when you start to question yourself. And obviously, Dallas was always going to be a difficult situation. They've won now 15 straight there. The Eagles have lost six straight. So it's not like they've had a lot of success there to begin with. Cowboys are a very good team. Um, so I don't think it's the end of the world. They still have their, their destiny in their own hands when it comes to division. They leave it, need a little help with San Francisco. Um, but they have to fix some things. And boy, I, I mean, th this is the first time, I, I believe it's the first time since the Carson Wentz playoff game against Seattle. They haven't scored an offensive touchdown. It's certainly the first time in the Nick Sirianni, Jalen Hurts era. Um, so that is something you look at and say, what the heck is going on there? You have the three fumbles, obviously, in Dallas territory. But other than the Jalen Hurts one, you never like to fumble. But I, I do think from the standpoint of people are blowing that out of proportion, the game was already over when AJ fumbled and Devontae fumbled. Um, so, you know, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lean on that as a crutch. They got completely outplayed, and if you look at it defensively, the defense is a disaster right now. Seth and I went back and forth about what they should do. They can't do anything, so it really doesn't <laughs> matter what they do on that back seven. They're they finished nine of sixteen, giving up third downs. They were nine of fourteen to start the Cowboys three of three in the red zone that came in dead last in the NFL. That will continue on third down defense. Red zone defense, they'll probably fall back even further from 29th. Considering that's what Nick Sirianni preaches, situational football, that is a disaster, as I said. Um, Sean Desai, boy, somewhere Jonathan Gannon's spiking a football. They hated him, and this is ridiculous what this defense is doing, especially with this front. Um, and I wish I had the answer for you. But uh, right now, they just don't have anything on the back end. They keep throwing. We saw Kalei Ringo out of nowhere today. Uh, even though Slay's banged up with a knee injury, you know, you would think 
it, it seemed like Eli Ricks had passed Josh Job, and all of a sudden they throw uh, Kaylee Ringo out there. It, it just seems like they're throwing stuff at the wall. Shaq Leonard coming in instead of just, you know, trying to get better with Nick Morrow and Zach Cunningham. It's not, it's not, it's not a good picture right now. John, as far as the offense goes, you mentioned most likely the first games it's without Carson Wentz now with uh, Jalen Hurts that uh, they haven't scored an offensive touchdown since that Carson Wentz playoff game against Seattle. I'm trying to uncover. We asked Eric Gunn about it uh, earlier. Obviously, there's more than just one person to blame in all this. But is it Nick Sirianni? Is it Brian Johnson? Is it Jalen Hurts? Who do we look for? offensively speaking, as the person that can't establish a rhythm with the weapons on this offense? Well, I, you know, I always start with the players first. I mean, it's always, and good or bad, it's always players first. It's always the talent not executing. Obviously, they probably would have scored a touchdown. And think about those three fumbles, Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. I mean, if those three guys are going to fumble in, in Dallas territory, you're going to have a long night and give Dallas credit, give Al Harris credit, give that defensive staff credit. Nobody takes the football away better than they do. But still, uh, that's very rare for those, uh, certainly AJ and Devontae in those types of situations. So that's obviously just a poor performance. But what stands out uh, to me about the offense is they, they get the ball to three receivers. We know it's A.J. Devontae and Dallas Goddard. Nobody else had a reception except Alameda yeah. Zacchaeus, and that was from Braden Mann, um, the punter. Yeah, John, real quick, John, John, real quick on that. When's the last time you saw that from an Eagles quarterback? Boy, I got to dig deep for yeah. that. I mean, Jalen's they, never done it. Point, yeah, at some point you're dumping it off to the back. Or, you know, maybe a backup tight end, maybe your third receiver gets involved. Nobody else gets involved except Oz on a fake punt. Um, to me, that's unacceptable. And we know, you know, the progression is always going to be AJ, Devontae, Dallas, or some combination of that. But you got to have something. You got to have a curveball to make it easier for those guys. So. But if you want to blame the coaching staff, and Nick will be the first one to say it, and I hear all the time, and, you know, Brian Johnson, that this these game plans are Nick Sirianni's game plans. Um, he doesn't call plays because he doesn't want to call plays, because he wants to manage the game. And if you watch Kyle Shanahan, that's a good thing, by the way. But uh, when it comes to game planning and things like that, Nick Sirianni puts it together. He's in charge of it. He nixes something if he doesn't like it. He puts something in if he doesn't like it. This is his offense. He's on record. Shane Steichen, Brian Johnson could be five coordinators down the line. As long as Nick Sirianni's here, it's going to be his offense. Yeah, John, I never would have thought in the offseason if you would have told me the best coordinator on this team this season would be Michael Clay. Michael Clay. Yeah, I would have told you you were crazy, man, but that's how it looks right now. But I want to talk about that defense for a second. You look at the personnel on that defense, and I'm a big Howie Roseman fan. He does a great job. But you look at that defense, and there is a severe lack of young talent that has been drafted outside of the defensive tackle position. No denying he brought in Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis, and Milton Williams. But then you look at the rest of that defense. 
you got to go all the way back to probably 2018 when they drafted Josh Sweat to find a guy on defense that this team drafted and developed. Do you think that's going to be a problem? You look at next season where we're going to say, hey, we got to replenish this roster. They really haven't been able to do it through the draft, John. Well, they they didn't draft him, but they developed uh, T.J. Edwards. And they let him go. Um, was it, yeah, it wasn't good enough. Um, I do wonder, you know, I talked about Ringo. You know, he's thrown out there. He had one snap before tonight. Um, and this is obviously week 14, game 13. And people are surprised he doesn't look good. The Eagles shouldn't be surprised. You know, maybe, you know, Jim Schwartz used to call them startup costs. Maybe maybe the better way to do these things is to play your young players, get through those startup costs, develop them that way instead of going out and saying, oh, let's get every, every player off the scrap heap that the fan base knows. And maybe Shaq Leonard helps down the line. But, I mean, you're in week 14. What's he going to do? You know, I granted some injuries in the slot, but if you wanted to use Rex or, or Sidney Brown, you know, play them, develop them. Um, you know, you got to see Sidney Brown. There were some bad moments, but you also got to see the athleticism, the range he has. Um, when Reed Blankenship went down with the concussion, who knows if he were getting snaps earlier, maybe he's farther ahead of the game. Um, I think the Eagles have gone too far into the Band-Aid category when it comes to bringing in veteran players. And I get it. They're a Super Bowl contender, and maybe you don't want to re rely on younger players. But maybe you lose a game early in the season, you're better equipped to win a game late in the season. Um, I don't see a lot of speed and athleticism on the back end, and I think that's a problem. John, um, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I got, I'm gonna disagree with you um, on two things. I don't believe that the Eagles are very good at developing talent. I really don't. I think that, you know, you went and you brought in an A.J. Brown, a guy, you know, who is physically more superior than most of the wide receivers in this league. I believe that you drafted a Devontae Smith, a guy who has tremendous skill sets. Um, I believe that, you know, you inherited a Dallas Goddard, a guy that was already trending in the right direction. And on the defensive side, you know, who have we developed since Nick Sirianni and his staff has been here? I don't see, you know, other wide receivers taking the leap. We've been waiting for Quez Watkins to take that next step. Aaron Moorhead has not gotten him to be able to do that because we've had to go and bring in Alameda Zacchaeus. We've had to go in and bring in Julio Jones to try to shore that area up on the defensive side of the ball. Um, defensive backs coach. Um, I'm looking for him here because I don't know him right off. Um, uh, it's D.K. McDonald. It was Denard Wilson. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, feel like, I feel like, you know, under Denard Wilson, our defensive backs were much more technically sound, and they played a hell of a lot better. I look at the older guys, and you can call it, you know, father time catching up with them or whatever it is, but they're technically flawed, all of them. 
even the young guys are technically flawed in the way that they cover. When I watch them cover, there's this sense of panic when they're in man-to-man. There's this sense of uncertainty, you know, when they're in zone. Like they don't know, you know, what zones they're responsible for or what to do when guys start to swap in and out of their zones. You know, I don't see this Eagle staff. I haven't seen this Eagle staff, in my opinion, since Nick Sirianni has been the head coach as a staff other than, other than a guy like Jeff Stoutland and a guy like Tracy Rocker. You know, those guys man the trenches. Yes, they have been, you know, developers of football players. But every other position across the board, with the exception of maybe Jalen Hurts as well, I don't see this staff as a staff that can take a young player and look at his skill sets and be able to mold and and form him into a player that we can say that we developed that guy. If he doesn't come here with the skill set, with the ability, I don't see our coaching staff as having the ability to develop players. That's my from my football eye. <clears throat> well, I don't, I I I think I I don't think that's completely fair. I mean, you you kind of gave a pass to the the offensive defensive line, so I won't bring up a guy like Milton Williams who I think has turned into a pretty good player. But one of the things I've criticized Howie for, I brought up TJ. They developed TJ. They developed Marcus Epps, um, and they let him walk. Marcus Epps knocked Justin Jefferson out of the game today with a big hit. Um, um, you know, and he's a starting safety. Um, and and they developed these players, and for whatever reason, um, they decided they were too expensive, even though they weren't all that expensive. And all of a sudden, you're chasing um, veterans to, to provide what they gave you and they're not even providing what they gave you. So I think if we look back on it, and I think if the Eagles don't turn this around, um, you know, that's something that will harp on a little bit more. There are certain positions, wide receiver being most notably. I mean, they tried and they tried and they tried and they made mistakes and they finally had to go out and get A.J. Brown uh, they were able to draft Devontae Smith, so they finally fixed the issue. Dallas Goddard's a second-round pick they developed. Uh, so there's good players all over this team. We're talking after two very bad losses. They're still 10-3. and three. They still have one of the best rosters in the NFL. It's, 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 I, I wouldn't call this a bad organization when it comes to developing players. I think they made some mistakes. I mean, you look at Christian Ellis. It's funny. I wrote a story about Christian Ellis because they they overthought it and they they tried to manipulate everything they could when it came to roster flexibility. They put him on waivers. They don't even play Albert uh, Wegmanon when when Dallas is in the game. He's inactive. They don't play Rashad Penny. They could have gotten these guys through waivers. And if they didn't, who cares? Sue Pettit could have gotten them through waivers. If they didn't, who cares? Six teams claim Christian Ellis. I don't know if he's going to turn in anything, but six teams in this league, and that's very rare, trust me. I've been covering this league for a long time. I don't recall a guy who's been claimed by six different teams. Um, that tells me how he made the rare mistake of, of, of trying to get as much roster flexibility, kept Ben Ben, ben Sumer. Christian Ellis has played more special teams snaps than anybody else for this team. Again, it's not a big deal, but 
I think this team is too hyper-focused on the Super Bowl window when it comes to younger players. Well, John, I tell you what, you know, I we talked about this in the pregame, this whole Christian Ellis thing. You know, as bad as Nicholas Morrow played last week, they could have cut him and he would have cleared waivers before um, Christian Ellis. Christian Ellis has been a stellar, you know, um, special teams players, and teams have noticed that. They've seen that. So that was a major error that Howie hardly ever makes. But I, I will say this, you know, we've been talking about a team who struggled in various areas all year long, and we've given them passes because they were seven and zero, and eight and zero, and then eight and one, or nine and one, and nine, and, and then ten and one, and then ten and two. You know, we've and and I'm just as guilty as everybody else because. You know, sometimes, you know, you fall into the trap. Well, they're winning and they're finding ways to win. That's a good thing. But they haven't. They've talked about the standard all year, and they've been trying to find the standard all year long, and they have not been able to find it on both sides of the ball. You know, the only standard that they've lived up to is on the special team side of the ball all season long. That's the only one that we can point to and say they are no longer the Achilles heel of this football team, you know, when I watch this football team, John, I see a flawed team. I see a flawed team fundamentally. I see a flawed team um, technically. And I see a flawed team from a game plan standpoint. And these are things that you don't fix in week 15, week 14, week 16. At this point in time, they are who they are. And how, how, how are they going to fix this? You know, I believe that this team has peaked already, you know, winning the amount of games that they won. And I feel like they're on the other side of the mountain. They're coming down. Rather than peaking at the right time, I feel like they peaked early, and now they're on the downside of the mountain on the other side. That's just my opinion. <clears throat> well, and, and, you know, that's what the NFL is. And you're coming off not only one bad loss, but two bad losses. But I, but I will say this. There's only four teams in this league at 10-3. and three. Um other than San Francisco, which lost three games when Trent Williams and Debo Samuel were out, uh, and they look like the best team in football when those guys play. I mean, Dallas got destroyed by San Francisco. Baltimore barely got to 10 wins today by holding off the Rams in overtime at home, and they very well could have lost that game. So the, the context, I'll, I'll try to add, I know everybody's disappointed. This happens to every team in this league. It just hasn't happened to the Eagles in a very long team, in a very long time. It finally has. It doesn't mean they can't right the ship. I'd be stunned if they lost to the Giants or the Arizona Cardinals. Seattle, you know, we'll see if Geno Smith is back. Drew Locke starts. I mean, all of a sudden, if they finish four straight, you know, people say, well, they beat nobody, and they might be right. But 14 wins is 14 wins. Um, and they're, you know, maybe they'll be the number one seed. Maybe they'll be the number two seed at worst, because if they win out, they would still win the NFC East. Um, then they're in a good position. Then, you know, maybe they don't match up well with San Francisco, but you're a Trent Williams sprained ankle away from matching up well with San Francisco. 
So I wouldn't say raise the white flag just yet on, on the Philadelphia Eagles. But they have some, they have a lot of things to correct. That's fair to say. John, let's talk about the defense a little bit here because I think this was said by you maybe on the show a couple shows ago. Uh, if they don't get home to the quarterback, their defense isn't very good at all. And I have some numbers no. to prove that. Uh, they Dak Prescott's 25 drop back, first 25, they got five pressures on them. That's 20%. That's pathetic. Uh, on third down, the Eagles only sack the quarterback, and this is why they stay on the defense, can't get off the field. They allow these third down conversions all the time. On third down, the Eagles only sack the quarterback 5.1% of the time. That's the worst in the NFL. So my question is, can they scheme their way past these deficiencies? Uh, no, they can't scheme their they, – they're not going to be able to scheme their way. We've seen this scheme. <laughs> they're not going to be able – to scheme their way past their deficiencies. That's when you have to rely on, and maybe it's, you know, maybe it's the rookie wall with Jalen Carter. Maybe it's too many reps for Jordan Davis. Uh, maybe Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat uh, have played too much. I, I did get the sense they were trying to get Nolan Smith on the field a little bit more, at least in the first half. Um, you know, and maybe they have to get a second wind at a certain point. But I think we're at the stage with this defense. Yeah, I mean, if those guys don't get home, uh, the defense is going to struggle. Now, you know, I picked Dallas to win this game 33-28. Dallas is a good offensive team. Um, and they did their part. They got the 33. The Eagles offense didn't do their part. Sometimes you're going to have to win a shootout in the modern NFL. And Dallas is one of those teams. They average 40 points at home. I mean, they're good. They're good against everybody. So there are some other teams. There was a three nothing game today. There were two nothing nothing games at, uh, at halftime. There are a lot of other teams that struggle offensively and that's where sort of those numbers pick up. The Eagles happen to find the two teams that are the best offenses back-to-back, -back, and they struggled mightily on defense. That doesn't mean Arizona is going to come in and score 40 or uh, Tommy DeVito is going to ring you up for 45. Um, that, that part of it will calm down. The question is when you get to the big spot against Dallas or San Francisco, can you find a way to win the game? Can you find a formula? You know you're going to give up a certain amount of points. So the offense is a part of this as well. It's a complementary game, and that's what, what professional football is. Is Jalen Hurts going to fumble occasionally? Yes, he's a quarterback. Is A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith? That's unacceptable. So, you know, maybe those fumbles turn into touchdowns and it's a much closer game. Um, so they have to clean that kind of stuff up. They have 10 penalties today. They have to clean that up. Uh, they have to clean up the stuff they can. Um, but there are some personnel deficiencies they're probably not going to overcome. And that starts most notably on the back end. Unless you think Shaq Leonard's going to turn into the all-pro Shaq Leonard he was before the back surgeries in Indianapolis. 
Of all the things to correct, that's not one that I'm confident in, unfortunately, John. But uh, when you look at the rest of this schedule, and you look at the schedule right now for Dallas and also San Francisco, Philly and San Fran, they're the only ones there. They have two games on the road and two games at home. Dallas, three games on the road of the last four. When you look at this Eagles team going forward, what's your confidence level in them maintaining the number one seed or getting the number one seed or just rather winning the NFC East? Um, I, I, I think it's going to be tough. I mean, Baltimore's got to beat San Francisco. That's probably the game you have to look at and say they're going to need they, – they need some help. Even if they win out, they're going to have to have San Francisco lose once. Uh, so the number one seed has become much, much tougher um, – and the NFC East is still if 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 the Eagles can find a way to get a win in Seattle, um, I think they're going to win the NFC East uh, because I I can't imagine the Giants beating them, I can't imagine Arizona beating them, um, so I think the NFC East is still there for them. Uh, the number one seed might be uh, a little bit more difficult. John, earlier you said every team goes through things like this. But you look at that defense, even before this Dallas Cowboys game, we knew the Cowboys game was a tough spot on the road, back-to-back against two tough teams. But you look at what this defense did in the last five games before this, and there were only five teams in history whose defenses had put up stat lines that bad as far as net yards, passing yards, touchdowns, yards per carry. Do you think this is something that they can get corrected with the personnel they have on that side of the football? Well, it depends what you mean by corrected. Um, are they going to be historically bad or are they going to be middle of the road? Could they could they be middle of the road? Yeah, probably, especially against average or below average teams. But no, I don't think we're going to see, you know, a top five defense. It, it, it's just clearly they don't have that type of personnel right now. Um, and maybe, you know, we all should have expected that, losing five defensive starters, losing the coordinator. But everybody hated the coordinator so much, they failed to realize just how good that defense was. I mean, even when they didn't have Hassan Reddick and they were playing Gennard Avery, um, in the first season Nick was here, they were they were a top ten defense. And and then they were number two last year with seventy sacks. And by the way, even if you brought back Jonathan Gannon and Javon Hargrave and CJ Gardner Johnson, Marcus Epps and TJ Edwards and Kaiser White, they weren't getting seventy sacks again. There was gonna be a regression to the mean from that aspect as well. But to think they were going to lose all of that and just move along the same way was probably a little bit pie in the sky. Not probably. You're seeing it. Uh, this defense is a disaster right now. John, thank you uh, for hanging out with us so late. We really appreciate it, and uh, we will talk to you. Hopefully, that they. <laughs> Now that game's a big game in Seattle on a Monday night. Uh, hopefully they don't lose that game. But we will talk to you next week. Thanks very much. Thank you, guys. All right, John McMullen, of course, brought to you by DelVal Insurance. You can save up to 40% on your car insurance right now. Just call your partners, Fran or Jim, at DelVal Insurance. And here's how you can connect. 
My name is uh, Fran Salerno. I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. My wife was in an accident that changed our lives forever. She was in rehabilitation for years. She had to learn to walk again. She couldn't take care of herself. We couldn't afford a nurse. We were running out of options. One conversation with Pond Lee Hockey changed everything. They understood what we were going through and immediately helped us navigate the legal process. We can't thank them enough. Pond Lee Hockey, tell us your story. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Some say courage is something you're born with. Others say courage is something you find. In every generation throughout history, courage has been celebrated sought after, needed. It holds the potential for a life of impact. But what if courage isn't just something you hope for or stumble upon? What if courage is something that can be shaped at a place that inspires you, where leaders invest in you, your community believes in you, and your life becomes something bigger than it could ever be alone? stockings and yours too with a one-size-fits-all gift card buy a 25 dollars hooters gift card and receive a five dollar santa's bonus card make it hooters for the holidays eat chicken wings buy hooters things christmas is near gift cards are here good at hooters everywhere now hooters gifts are always favored since 1977 it's always been about you the community at rafferty subaru and through the subaru love promise we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Go for the win. 
go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Welcome back to the Pond La Hockey postgame show. Mark Farzetta, Mike Vicinelli, Kayla Santiago, and Seth Joyner with you. Uh, before we go any further, we do want to acknowledge again our partnership with the EBOD Foundation, the EBOD Foundation, because just like any great football team, the strength lies within its players, and we all have an opportunity here to be a player in the fight against Alzheimer's as well as dementia. And here at Jacob Media, we want to support Alzheimer's research and also caregiving for the stronger and more collective effort to combat Alzheimer's and dementia. This month, we also want to make sure we focus on this with a very special promotion that we're running, and we've been running, really, all season long. Score for a Cure, the big game Super Bowl sweepstakes here. Text SCORE to 833-202-9835. That's 833-202-9835. Use these promo codes. You see them right there. Team Miss, Team Seth, Team Gun with two N's, and Team Farsi as well now what can you get out of this well you have the opportunity to win two tickets to the big game in las vegas two nights in a hotel two thousand dollars in cash for expenses and you also just text that word score to 833-202-9835 and you can have a chance to win a trip a fantastic trip to the big game in vegas all for a great cause to help combat alzheimer's with the ebod foundation well done, Farsi. Thank you very much for that. It is time now for us to break out a new segment right here on the Pond Hockey Eagles postgame show. It is uh, called the Defender of the Game. It's brought to us by Land Rover of Willow Grove. Uh, Land Rover Jaguar and also Land Rover of Willow Grove. Go test drive a new Defender. What a quality machine. You'll absolutely love it. Defender of the Game on a night like this puts us in a very difficult <laughs> spot. So, uh, listen, if it was up to me, I would say that uh, Stephon Gilmore, the Cowboys, De'Ron Bland, those guys played well. But uh, I will give my defender of the game to Fletcher Cox today. Since the Eagles did not score a touchdown on offense, they got one off their defense, and they got one because Fletcher Cox got a strip sack on the quarterback, and uh, it was run in by uh, Jalen Carter for a touchdown to give the Eagles their 13th point. So on a night when... The defenders of the game for the Eagles were a little bit slim. I'll go with Fletcher Cox. Does that make any sense? Uh, I mean, he, he made the thing happen. He did the thing <laughs> that made it happen. But I'll go Jalen Carter over him. He's the guy that ran it in. I haven't seen a defensive tackle touchdown since uh, Mike Patterson, I believe it was, against the 49ers all those years ago. Mike Patterson. Mike Patterson. How about that? From How about USC. him getting a shout That's right. How about him getting a shout-out <laughs> on the program today? That's I'll fun. go Jalen Carter. He got himself a touchdown. Good for him. It's hard to argue with either of those, and statistically, this might be a hot take with Sidney Brown. He only had five solo tackles, but I really feel like in the secondary, to me, he was the only guy that had heart out there, and I know on the stat sheet and how many points they gave up, that might not mean much, but for a team that really can't get low and tackle, he at least was going out there and trying today, so I'm going to give it to Sidney Brown. I think he did what he could tonight against this Dallas Cowboys had, team. Had a really bad over-pursuit, but at least he pursued. Right. At least, at least he tried. Yeah, At least I'm you tried. You. The other guys can't say the same, right? I'm with you there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to defer my pick to next week. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. I, I don't blame you, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I will say that, uh, you know, normally Micah Parsons comes up in this conversation. They have been pretty quiet today 
surprisingly. He uh, you know, he, he did get a sack, but uh, he only had two tackles the whole day. So, uh, all right, that's presented by Jaguar Land Rover of Willow Grove. Uh, and who wouldn't like to drive a Jag or a Land Rover? It is time now for our game balls, which is a little different than the defender of the game. Our game balls, of course, brought to us by Colony Pools. Sign up right now for the Colony Pools Winter Watch Program and get your custom Kelly Green pool cover delivered in 2024. Check it out online at colonypool.com. Game balls, I'll toss it. Seth, who's your your game ball today? I got I got nothing for you, man. I'm like I'm 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 so I'm so um, numb by what I just witnessed the last two weeks. You know, uh, there's no accolades that anyone on this football team deserves, from the head coach right down to the 53rd guy on the roster. Really, I I I just uh, I've not been. It's been a long time since I've been disappointed in this football team the way that I have been the last two two weeks. Um, there was so much promise there, and it seems like, you know, whatever motivation they had to get back to the big game and be the best team that they could possibly be, I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it, but it's not there right now. You know, we, we talked about confidence. Um, John talked about confidence and how confidence affects what you do on the football field. How does this football team board a plane next week and go to Seattle with any kind of confidence after just getting their asses drugged through the mud the way they did the last two weeks? Where I mean, how? One of the toughest places to play, too, especially on the road in Seattle. Can this go to a Dallas Cowboy? As much as I yes. don't want to do that, I really, I really don't option. want yes, to do we that. Did, but we did it last week, Listen, too. we've been on this panel and said that kickers might not be football players. I disagree. Mike does not agree with me. But how about the Dallas kicker tonight? I mean, it was almost automatic every single time he was able to go. Brandon Aubrey has not missed a field goal so far this season, 4-4 four four tonight. And it wasn't anything easy. His long 60-yarder, I mean – he was almost Mr. Automatic. We talk about Jake Elliott being that guy, but if he misses one or two of those, it's a really different ball game for Dallas. Uh, I'm going with the Cowboy as well and not a player. Mike McCarthy was in the hospital a couple hours ago, and then he all of a sudden he just shows up on the game on the sideline and starts calling plays that are absolutely just making the defensive coordinator for the Eagles, Sean Desai, and his players their head spin throughout this game. Another great game plan by them. We laughed. A lot of us laughed at the idea of a Texas Coast offense going into the season. It has certainly worked well for the Cowboys this season, and uh, it obviously worked well for them tonight. So I'll go with Mike McCarthy, who was in the hospital just a couple of days before the game. That's very innovative. I can't name a player. He's not hard. It's like the the, the appendix. Appendicitis, yeah. Appendicitis. Appendix out. That's not bad. And uh, it's not bad, uh, you, Kayla, with the the kicker, Brandon Aubrey. He's got such a kicker name, too. (laughs) Brandon Aubrey. He's got a thunderfoot, so they got something. I don't know how they found that guy from the USFL and, and, and got him on a roster where he hasn't missed a field goal. But, listen, I hate to do this because I know how people feel about him. The quarterback's playing well for them. Dak Prescott had a great game today. I mean, he mixed it up. He made great throws, whether it was long or short. 24-39 for 271 and a couple of scores. He did get sacked three times with no interceptions, and that's what you count on for Dak to, uh, to give it up. Now, he did get strip-sacked for a touchdown. <laughs> that's the one blemish, right? Yeah. But, you know, the guy's been money, and, and I got to give him credit. So he's going to get my game ball. Brought to us by Colony Pools, the Winter Watch program. Get your custom Kelly Green pool cover. It's pretty cool. 
and get it delivered in 2024. Uh, all right, so uh, it is time now for our uh, injury update. We have Dr. Bruce standing by. Is Dr. Bruce with us tonight? Dr. Bruce Grossinger. I sure uh, am. Standing by with us, Dr. Bruce. Uh, a couple of injuries. A blanket ship goes out, which is uh, troubling because when he goes out, they're, they're just throwing in parts, and we don't know what we're going to get from the guys they, they put in there back there. But uh, what can you tell us about uh, your view of the injuries tonight? Well, blanket ship obviously is the, uh, the big injury. Because that now they're down to two safeties, as you note, Sidney Brown and Byard. And um, that's a big problem because you have to bring Byard in out of the slot corner. And you can see how porous the middle of that defense is. One of the concerns, if we look at stats, is once you get in the concussion protocol, the average time in there is nine days. So what does that mean? It means that it's likely, on average, the Reed Blankenship may miss... Go, going across the country and may miss that Seattle game and, and he'd be sorely missed. So that's that's really my, my great concern. Um, I'm happy to see something that wasn't very impactful in the game, but Dallas Goddard, you know, did wear that brace and he really, you know, they didn't get it to him too often, but he looked like he was healthy. So I know that we, um, we noted how quickly he came back from that fractured forearm, but it didn't have an effect on the bottom line of this game. Uh, Cam Jurgens left the game momentarily. I saw with a chest injury as well. Any word on how that's developing? I think he's doing well. He had just like a little strain of the chest. He came back and was able to, to finish play and didn't give up a sack or anything notable. So I think, I think Cam's okay. I want to go back to Dallas Scotter. You mentioned he didn't really get into the game plan a little bit tonight, but if he does against Seattle, do you see any limitations to him being in his second game back? Do you think he's good to go, or it's just a wait-and-see game with him, depending on how they utilize him next week? I think he's good to go. The way they use him today on some screens, he had a lot of energy. He, you know, he was very confident, and he didn't look like he was tentative at all. So I believe they have to figure out a way to get him more involved and he was able to catch the ball. But, I, I mean, obviously, we talked about getting more receivers involved. And that, you know, that's a theme that you discussed all night. But I, I, I think he'll be okay because the first game back is certainly, from a mental standpoint, the biggest barrier. All right, Dr. Bruce, thanks for hanging out. I know it's the late night, so we appreciate your in input. And uh, we will talk to you next week. Thank you, sir. Thanks a lot. Have a good night. All right, that's Dr. Bruce Grossinger with uh, – the injury update, and uh, we'll take a break, and we'll come back, and we're going to wrap this up. And I'm going to actually give you hope that uh, the season is not lost. I'm going to give you hope that they can at least get to the NFC title game, and we'll explain all that when we get back on the Pond La Hockey Eagles postgame show live from Ocean Casino back after this. Go for the polls and the pools. Go for the oohs and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement. But would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 
58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. My name is uh, Fran Salerno, and I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. stockings and yours too with a one-size-fits-all gift card buy a $25 Hooters gift card and receive a $5 Santa's bonus card make it Hooters for the holidays eat chicken wings buy Hooters things Christmas is near gift cards are here good at Hooters everywhere now Hooters gifts are always favored do you stream on a Roku, a Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. Watch Action News Live. And the big story on Action News. Plus special programming, breaking news, and severe weather updates. Tremendous amounts of rain. Always on. Always the news team you trust. Watch 6ABC 24-7 on your streaming device. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. All righty, it's the Pond Hockey Eagles postgame show live from Ocean Casino. Mike Masnelli with Mark Farzetta, Kayla Santiago, and Seth Joyner. I, I'm going I'm to put the, this in perspective here. All right, they got waxed. We're all disappointed. But I'm doing this logically. And it's not like that I'm that high on the Eagles' chances here. But here's the way I think it could go for the rest of the year. 49ers win out, or, or maybe they even lose a game to the Ravens. But let's say they win out. The Eagles will allow for them to lose one more game. And the Cowboys, I think, will lose one more game because they have to go at the Bills, at the Dolphins, and they have the Lions. I can count on one loss there. That puts everything into this little, little pocket here. The 49ers would get the number one seed and get the bye. The Eagles would play the seventh seed, which right now are the Packers. Three versus six would be the Lions and Vikings, as it stands right now. And four versus five, the Bucks, as a lousy division winner, would play the Cowboys. Meaning, in the second round, the Eagles would host the Lions at Lincoln Financial Field. Then I'm done. I'm finished. <laughs> because at that point, they would have to go to San Francisco to try to beat the 49ers in the NFC title game. But doesn't that give you a little more hope than this doom and gloom that we've had on this show today? <laughs> well, I mean, okay, first off, rightfully so, doom and gloom. 
Second, yes, it does give me a little bit more hope. If you look at the schedule, the way it works out for the Eagles, the way it looks right now for the Cowboys going to Buffalo, then to Miami, you feel pretty good about the odds of the Eagles actually winning the NFC East. As far as winning the number one seed in the NFC, that feels like right now damn near it's impossible. Over. It's over. I could, yes, you could, <laughs> the towel is in as far as yeah, that goes. Yes. But yes, as far as just the NFC East, yes, I can feel good about that at least. Okay. So oh. at the very the, the, the highest point of the season will be that they will at least have played in an NFC title game. I know there's right. no consolation, right. but it's not like the, you know, like the world is lost. All right, so, so th- th- then what's the ask? The ask is what do you want out of the last four weeks, other than what you might seem to be in hand a little bit, which is winning the NFC East. I want the feeling that they have gotten something right, that they have gotten some kind of momentum, some kind of flow right. Maybe they corrected something schematically, defensively speaking, not to the point where they're going to win the NFC and make it back to the Super Bowl, but I'll have more confidence in the idea that they'll be able to do it. they got to do more than something right, I think. I think every single week we say, well, the offense needs to be better. The defense needs to be better. We're not in week five or six anymore. You get to a point where, yes, if they win the NFC East, that's fantastic, but I think there could be a surprise in the playoffs that if the Eagles play like this, that they could get knocked out. And I know that sounds crazy, but – I have not felt confident about this Eagles team even when they're winning games. They've been able to win because Jalen Hurts has played good or Sean Desai steps up to make halftime adjustments. And then you really see how bad they are when they play the top team. So if they're going to rest on their laurels and play down to their opponent, it's going to catch up to them at some point. So what I need to see is a complete almost 180 in the next last weeks and figure out, okay, offensively and defensively, how they can really start winning these games, not just on the offensive side of the ball, not just on the defensive side of the ball, not just special teams, but all around. Is that going to happen? I don't really know, but I think if they want to be able to really compete in the playoffs, that's going to need to happen. Yeah. Seth, are you speechless for the rest of the show? <laughs> are you done? Is this it? Man, let are you, me that, you. That down on this squad? Hey, listen. You until, don't have a parting shot? Until, until they can prove to me that they can put together, you know, a total effort. And it, I'm not looking for perfection. But I'm certainly not looking for what I just witnessed the last two weeks. You know, um, I, I, I would be okay with two losses if they were competitive. Mm-hmm. But they were non-competitive in both of these football games. It wasn't even close. It wasn't even close. You're talking about 75 points that the Eagles defense gave up in two back-to-back games. Come on, man. I mean, I, I'm just, you know, I, I'm just. That's 37 and a half points. I can do that math. I don't care how damn late it is. Okay. <laughs> and, and I just, I don't get the sense that this thing is going to turn around because we've been talking about it turning around. And finding, you know, you know, playing our best game, and you know, getting and getting better and improving all season long. But it seems like the same things that plagued us when we could win are the same things that's plaguing us now that we are we're losing. The defense can't stop anybody. The offense is 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 turnover prone, you know, and sputtering when, out of the gate. Yeah, and, and sputtering out of the gate. And, and when you look at the turnovers, Mike. The turnovers are the things that's most troubling to me because, you know, when you get turnovers, they are forced. Forced is, you know, I, I, wish, I, I wish I knew the Webster's, the Webster's definition of force because it would be so much more powerful than the one that I'm trying to convey, okay? When I watch those balls being yanked out of the hands of Philadelphia Eagles tonight, those defenders wanted that ball out of their arms worse than they wanted to keep it in their arms, okay? 
to me, that's troubling because that tells me that the intensity isn't there. It's two weeks in a row. Two weeks in a row against the teams, the two teams that you know you have to beat in your conference in order for you to get back to the mountaintop, okay? And they came in. They One team came in your backyard and out-intensited you. You went into your most hated rival's backyard, you know, with everything to play for, and you couldn't conjure up the intensity necessary, you know, to even be competitive in this game. So I don't have a whole lot of hope. I'm sorry. You know, I, I, I want the team to do well. You know, it's not that I'm sitting up here and wishing them bad, but I, I'm a realist too. I'm a realist when it comes to, you know, what I know and what I understand about football, and this is just not a, a good place for them to be in right now um, from a confidence standpoint because when you're confident, you know, that – that covers a myriad of things. You guys have heard me talk about it oh, a thousand times sitting up here. The most important element that any professional athlete can have is confidence. And when I watch this team, I see a complete lack of it in every phase of the game. And that spells doom for a football team that we had great, great expectations for. And I feel bad for them. I really do. Well, that's a wrap, folks. <laughs> he pretty much wrapped it up at that point. Uh, we will see you next Monday night as the Eagles go to Seattle and try to salvage something here. For Mark Farzetta, Kayla Santiago, Seth Joyner, Bill Colarudo, and our buddy Derek Gunn who joined us today. I'm Mike Missanelli. Have a great rest of the night, everybody. Sleep well. We'll talk to you next Monday night. Hey, Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in decisions the dark the dark but I once heard someone say but as I always say it's okay to be afraid as long as you face the fear and keep moving forward wherever you are in life count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years Independence Blue Cross go to get your game on go for the beers Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. My name's Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you're having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online.
the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Philadelphia fans, we're cut from a different cloth. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.